to episode number five of Sophisticated Savage. Today's guest, we have Tridia Finley. She is a licensed professional counselor here in San Antonio, Texas with Elite Performance Counseling. She's also currently a PhD candidate as well. Um, today, we had a great conversation with Tridia. Uh, she has a background in, I believe, performance art dancing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she is super smart, well-spoken. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We had a great conversation with her. Uh, so without further ado, enjoy the show. professional counselor here in town um just to give you a quick background of, of i think we talked about this on the, on the uh, email essentially of what our thought process was in, inviting here was that we had talked a lot of our conversations revolved around um patients and or people's anxieties and dealing with anxieties and dealing with the fear of the unknown a little bit and then we just happened to discuss it kind of centered around performance issues um it seemed like to us and so we thought getting someone who worked with athletes or performance um from a mental aspect would be a good fit so well thank you for that's having why we're here thank you for being here and jc is here as well so. hello hello <laughs> i have uh, a lot to say so i'll let you go first so the first question i just want to start off the conversation and we generally let the conversation just kind of flow so there's not like a direction we're just trying to have a discussion but um so your background, I think I read on the website I saw, was that you were a dancer when you were younger. Is that correct? I, I was in a lot of performing Performance, arts. Performance, okay. So um, cheer, choir, drama, um, things like that. I was a swimmer for a little bit, but mm. I loved being on stage. Okay. Did any of that kind of correlate into what you're doing now? Did you, Or is this completely separate and didn't have anything to do with your prior uh, experience? Um, interestingly... It didn't at first, Okay. being a performer, um, wanting to be on stage. Um, it was something that I thought I had let go of coming up in high school and undergraduate school and, and, um, and my first graduate program. But I seem, well, clearly I've circled back around to it in um, because I've really focused on learning about who I am and myself and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, so in... Instead of working as a performer, I work with them. It was kind of my way of getting my fill. I have a lot of education because my parents pushed that. Okay. Um, so I let go of the whole, I'm going to be a performer type thing and turned into a bookworm. Yeah. Then, um, as you would have it, I fell into clinical mental health counseling okay. and noticed that I really liked working with performers or athletes. It's a certain There's a certain mentality that this population has um the issues tend to be the same you know we're all humans so we all experience some very core emotions fear anxiety joy sadness things like that the key in what i do though is understanding what population the counselor or the mental health professional is going to click with okay i clicked with Hmm. performers and athletes because they know how to push and um, they want it. Gotcha. So, okay. so what you'll hear a lot of times, for example, in mental health is if the client or the patient doesn't want to get better, there's nothing that I as a counselor or a psychologist can do. We're not magicians. Sure. 
the client has to want it. Um, so okay. if so, performers and athletes, high achieving individuals, they already come with an intrinsic motivation to do well. So okay. part of my job is kind of already done. Sure. They're- and and then so with athletes too, there's a certain way I can speak to them. Sure. I'm pretty blunt, and I don't tiptoe around things very well. Right. And they can take it. They can take it. I, I'm not, I don't work with a lot of, um, what do they call them? Gloves or whatever. Kid gloves? Yeah, yeah. I don't work with kid gloves. <laughs> nah. So I, I'm, I'm half Japanese and come from a military family and my dad's pretty old school. I married a coach and it's like you either get it, shut up in color and you do it. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, it's, um, well, the only thing I've ever heard of, of like performance is from a, like a mental aspect for for athletes mm-hmm. has lately been around like hypnosis. That's sure. been a lot of fighters usually using hypnosis. But in general, I find athletes also. Um, I've been never a high level athlete, just played in high school. But the people I know who were really competitive also had a lot of like the mental aspect was kind of a big thing for them because if you're if you're down about something and, and, or if you have a bad game and it can spiral and if you don't control some of that anxiety mm-hmm. around that, then it mm-hmm. just kind of becomes a vicious cycle, especially when it's a high pressure situation. Um, and I always notice people tend to perform better when they're not thinking about performing, if they're just yep. going out and doing it in the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you had mentioned something that brought a memory back. Ah, so with athletes, with high performers, with, I mean, even if the person is not, say, a pro athlete or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, at some point, the technique, the physical technique, or whether it's the acting technique or the dancing and the steps, that the person has it. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you're at that level, mm-hmm. you, your body, you, your body knows what it's supposed the to do. Memory. But it's the right. it's the, the connection. connection between mind and body that in this society tends to get separated from each other, right? right? So mind is one thing and body is the other. They start to overthink things, like you were saying, Dylan, and they get stuck. Right. So when it comes to high-achieving individuals, regardless of their field, they're already good at what they do, but they, they start to get overcome by anxiety and fear and then they lose the connection and that's where I step in to help them reconnect to their bodies to themselves Um, and and sometimes they just have stuff going on I mean they have lives too they have relationships they have stress and it gets in the way so I'm there to help get them back to what they really love to do I think this is like, uh, sorry, I'm going to go on a little uh, tangent, but I'm so excited about this podcast because it's almost full circle for me and Dylan because we started off in his garage Mm -hmm. and now we're like downtown on a Saturday, great guests, something I've always wanted to talk about. And I think it's amazing. Like I have all these, I have all these feelings right now Mm -hmm. because I feel like we're doing full circle, but yet it's amazing that I have that, like, yeah, let's get it. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm going right. to freak out. Yep. I'm really excited, but this is so cool already. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that, like, the go-getters. You want to be with those? If they push you, you push them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just amazing. Well, I'm in the same boat, you know, JC. I'm no different. I'm a neophyte in terms of being a, a counselor. I'm not an expert in, you know, neuropsychology. I don't, you know, I don't 
can't hook you up to an EKG and tell you, you know what I'm saying? Um, what I know how to do, though, is connect. And you, my clients, are the experts. And it's, mm. I'm there to remind you about mm. that confidence and how to work through the anxiety that you need for peak performance anyway. So, I mean, I've done a podcast before. Mm-hmm. I've, I like public speaking and all, but I'm not... You know, Doctor Phil. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. So I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm going to say either. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm good on my feet. Sure. And that's what I mean. Every athlete or high executive or dancer, whatever, they'll tell you. Sometimes they just they got to make it up as they go. Yes, you rehearse and you you rehearse and you practice. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it's like Eminem says. You know, you you lose yourself. In the moment, yeah. right. you got to grab it and then do the damn thing. Well, that's what we were we were talking about <laughs> in the first podcast. We were both like, we both want to start a podcast. We don't know when. And then we found this stoic trip and we're like being stoic. Have you heard about that? What do you mean? Stoicism. It's I, mean, a, I know the, the word, yeah. but so there's a context. There's like a, a, it's a philosophical, I guess movement is the best way to do it. There's, there's is his name Ryan Holiday? John, he wrote a book on Stoicism, basically, just kind of summing up all the Stoic speakers and thinkers from like, Greek and Roman times, uh-huh. and uh, how to adapt that to the modern world. Um, and Stoicism has a lot of similarities to Buddhism, as far as like, yes. how they practice a little bit. Uh, and so there's a journal, they came up with a daily journal, where you write in the morning and afternoon, and they have a like a... A thought basically for you to, to meditate on and then write about for that day and then each week has a overall weekly theme and all that and it's about really controlling your mind and getting rid of like all the emotions that don't mean a whole lot and well, it, not like, really get rid of the emotion but you control your mind, mind right. to control the emotion instead of your emotion controlling your mind so not that not that emotions um are negative are they're not no not at all not like the right. the, the, the uh, definition of stoic they don't show any emotion mm-hmm. let it go no this is like he said the modern version where you kind of trying to find the balance where you, you like uh, I talked to a UFC fighter mm-hmm. and I asked him hey before you step into the ring do you get scared because you know me the average Joe I want to know if, if he has the same feelings that I do and he says yeah of course I'm scared of course like I'm, I don't want to get knocked out in front of everybody but yet, I have to control that emotion. But it helps me avoid those punches as well. Right. So that 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 balance. That's what we mean by stoicism and what I'm understanding. And okay. I feel like it's helped me out. The one example that always sticks in my mind is is uh, one of the the questions they have on the day of the journal is what you're about to say is it worth saying? Hmm. So when you're dealing with someone, especially on an emotional level, someone says something like like if someone ran into your car mm-hmm. and you're about to have a conversation with them. Is it helpful to just get out of your car and berate them? Or is it helpful just to deal with the issue as best you can and then, you know, not assuming you're going to be perfect all the time. But the idea is basically just control the emotions before they they control your actions. I can speak to that. I just got into a wreck two weeks ago. Lady hit me. Uh, Luckily, insurance already found her at fault and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But that was the very first thing. I had my child in the back too. So I I was pretty upset. I pulled over. And I really thought I could yell at this lady. You endangered my child's life, X, Y, Z. And I was like, you know what? My kid's fine. I'm fine. In fact, my kid didn't even know what happened. He's like, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But but I chose the, I guess, the stoic route. I said, mm-hmm. are you okay? Do you need an ambulance? Um, I kept cool, even though I knew I was super upset. Mm-hmm. But I was like, 
it's not going to, it's going to make it worse. So let me just figure out what I got to do. Not only is it going to make it worse, it might escalate to where there might be cops involved. I was like, there's no point in, in doing all that. Mm-hmm. So we kept it as professional as we could. Um, and yeah, luckily it turned out to my favor. Uh, we actually became friends with the cop. He let my kid in the carp car and all that stuff. Because he saw how cool, calm, and collect I was. But once again, uh, talking about my past, I think my older self would have jumped out of that vehicle would have been the first thing I would have done is yelled, did you not see me, X, Y, Z. But I think now that I'm, I'm trying to do what the, the podcast is about is trying to learn that balance of you could be a savage at one point or you could be sophisticated at another. And I chose the, the sophisticated route was literally, let's just talk this out. Let's see what happened. Let's see your side of story, X, Y, Z. But my older self, I think I would have been a savage. I would have probably berated her or something like that. But I just chose to stay calm, even though I knew emotionally I was upset. Mm-hmm. So there's a choice that you can make in every situation. It, it I, you know, I, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Um, growing up Japanese, I grew up very Japanese. My mom is as tall as that coffee cup over there. Yeah, my mom. <laughs> so, uh, and we weren't taught to show much emotion. So very conventional. Um, very. I used to be told a lot. I used to get told a lot. Um, use your common sense. So a lot in the Japanese culture and Asian culture in general, a lot goes unsaid. We're very much about context. So I shouldn't have to tell you I love you. I'm your mother. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That's we good just, enough. Yeah, like, why are you asking me such a dumb question? Kind of a thing. And so it turns into the, you know, you have to just understand uh, based on the context of, of things. And that's, so that's a big deal. Hmm. In terms of, Dylan, you had said something about like negative thoughts, and, and JC, you jumped in and said it's not so much about getting rid of, and I think what you were both trying to get at was you don't judge your thoughts and then therefore take action upon them and then go off the wall in one direction or another. Right. And so we're going to, we all have thoughts, like the, what do you call them, the fighter? The, the UFC fighter? Yes. So we have thoughts, and... Learning how to let them go, acknowledge them, and let them go, or acknowledge them and use them Mm -hmm. somehow, is really the trick. So we can't get, you don't want to get rid of fear. Those core emotions that we have are there for a reason. Like he said, he didn't want to get rid of either. Right. And you need some level of anxiety to keep you hyper-focused, or to keep oneself hyper-focused. So those things are important. And it's about learning how to calibrate it. Like, you know, those little dials where yeah, you yeah, dim yeah, your yeah. lights right. and stuff like that? Right. That's what what is important to learn how to do. And it's not it's not easy. And in order to do that, you've got to know the signs of your, your body. Right. And say, okay, I'm starting to get ticked off here. Uh, my, I'm, I'm starting to clench my fists. But if no one points that out to you, mm-hmm. you won't know that that's a sign for you, but if you're taught, hey, you do that every time I talk to you about X, you start clenching your fists. Did you mm. notice that? Oh no, I didn't notice that. So then you start noticing that, and you go, "Okay, self, I'm doing the thing. Let me just uh, open my hands up." And then you, it's a kind of a, it's a reaction. You'll start right. calming down too. So is that something somebody has to teach us? I feel like I did not have that growing up. I I never knew like okay, correlation like okay, I'm starting to clench my fists because of this. I felt like I've had to learn that later in life, 
and it was pointed out to me. And then now I'm connecting it more and more. Now that I'm getting more involved with the podcast and talking to different people, it's like you can actually feel, okay, this is happening. I've had this reaction. I can actually change this reaction. I think it, it gets taught out of us. Oh. It, we, we were doing that. I mean, if you watch your kids grow up, I mean, they're, if they're hungry, I mean, infants do that. But, you know, if they're hungry, what do they do? They cry. Or they're mm-hmm. going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they are not able to manipulate you at such a young age. If they're right. asking for something, if they're crying or they're making a noise, they're, they're telling you what their body wants. If they're yeah. cold or, you know what I mean? As we get older, we're taught to suck it up. Or shut up in color, or um, um, your kid gets upset and they throw a tantrum at HEB or in a grocery store, and of course, you know we put them back in line. But in that process, they're taught to shove it back down, mm. and so then they don't listen to their the their bodies thing. anymore. Mm-hmm. So then that's what I was talking about early earlier about the separation between mind and body. Mm. Interesting. The uh, interestingly, though, we forget that. We experience the world through our five senses first. We always feel, see, smell, uh, hear. What's the other one? Taste? Taste. Mm -hmm. Right? We do that first. Then we interpret the stimuli. But we think something happens and then there's some kind of... That somehow the thought precedes the physical response. On the contrary, you feel... See, smell, touch, all that first. Then you interpret. And yet we put the mind in front of our bodies so much that you feel like, you believe now, you have to be taught that. I'm like, no, you already knew that. You knew that coming out the womb. I knew it. I got it untaught. You now first, I feel yeah. like I'm re- mm-hmm. teaching myself. Okay. Yep. And so, that again, that's where I come in. Okay. And with balance, that word is so funny. I think it gets misinterpreted a lot. Because or misapplied, because balance is, you never reach balance. You're always working for mm-hmm. it. The gymnast on the balance beam doesn't get on there and go, got my balance, I'm done, let All me right. just roll. They're constantly at work. It is the hardest thing to do. You're constantly working for it. And I feel like this trend and this mindfulness and this balance, mm-hmm. like people are waiting to get there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're never going to get there. Right. The trick is to understand your, your left and right parameters and work to stay middle. And sometimes you're going to be farther right or left, mm-hmm. but that's still okay. The anxiety a lot of times comes from the idea that I'm, go- I'm supposed to be balanced. I'm not balanced. I'm like, sure. do, you, do you think it's a destination or what? You know? Don't look that way. It's the journey. It's the journey. It's understanding that if, you know, I partied one night, then the next day I'm going to have to relax or I'm going to have to hydrate or whatever. It's understanding that both extremes are necessary or are are, are going to happen and they're okay. But how do you compensate? How do you Mm. how do you bring yourself back in the middle instead of going, you know, far right or, or left All right i i think um especially with this the stoicism we started this at the beginning of the year i think mm-hmm. sometimes i get wrapped up in trying to like not have a bad day i guess or trying to always let the motion <laughs> control and i've noticed like i was almost like a game like i was trying to compete with myself like and I, which is i can be a little competitive at times so when i was filming this journal i was like well i'm gonna 
I'm going to excel at, at being able to con- make the choice to control, you know, if I have an emotional response to control my reaction to it. Um, and I just noticed over the last probably two months that mm-hmm. you're not going to stop bad days. Like you were saying, you're going to have, it's balance is about it, not necessarily always being on balance. You're going to have That's wobble to the left, wobble to the right, mm-hmm. but it's about how you recover and come back to maybe to, to midline to the middle and recover that a little bit. But knowing you're going to have days that test you, you're going to have days where you don't do exactly what you sometimes as a clinician too, I don't always do things I tell people to do, you know, I, just like last night I could have worked out that I work out. No, I was like, I'm tired. So I didn't right. work out last night, but, um, not, I think the bigger thing I've learned is not to hammer yourself mm-hmm. if you have a bad day. Just right, and and um, if you think about what you just said, Dylan, like you were you were so set on not trying to have a bad day, and it's like <laughs> totally you went extreme. That is that's my point. Right. Like the the point is to understand I'm gonna have good days, I'm gonna have bad days, and I'm gonna have really bad days, and I'm gonna have really good days. It's it's big picture, yeah. and that's the thing about. Um, I know in my, my culture, uh, in our Japanese culture, like a room is a room, not because there's necessarily four walls, but because there's like a table that you got to look at the whole context. Okay. Of Holistic. Again, and it's the same thing. It's like not just having good days the rest of your life. Right. It's understanding that you're going to have both. It's contextual. Right. It's larger than just these in the, like minuscule details of, of life. It's right. it's the whole good days, bad days, everything in between. So is acceptance a good word? Like accepting that you're going to have a bad day or accepting you're going to have a good day, just accept it and then uh, how you react to that day and just be cool with it? No, sometimes you got to um, accept the yuck and yeah. be like, and it's okay to be like, this is not cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not you know what I mean it's okay to be upset there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it or it's okay mm-hmm. to be happy it's it's fine to just sulk and be like i this day really sucks i i it, but it, we we mess up a lot when we try to force ourselves to be like no 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 i'm going to be you know it's going to be okay let's trick happen. ourselves into being happy not going to happen because i'm going to tell you things like that will manifest somewhere else mm-hmm. it's like a pimple if it <laughs> Or, or, you know, if you push one down, like another one comes out somewhere else. Or it's like a beach ball trying to push it down. If you, you push that emotion down or what you're really feeling down far enough, it mm-hmm. will come up and smack you in the face eventually. Right. Whether you kick your dog, whether you don't go work out, whether you eat an entire bag of Twix, mm-hmm. whether you get upset at your kid. You know what I mean? It's going to manifest if you don't let it kind of come out gradually and part of doing that is going yeah i i'm not having a good day this mm-hmm. is a totally crappy day but then to not take that and say you know what my whole week is going to be screwed up because of this you know it's it's like people who get on diets or they want to start working out or they want to change their lifestyle they they get upset they, they're on a roll for like a week and they're in the gym you know three four or five times that week and then they the following week because life don't care mm-hmm things happen and you can't go mm-hmm. and then they feel like they're whole they done messed up their whole fitness journey like no you go again next week you yeah. just keep going yeah, yeah yeah you keep going that makes complete sense yep well i, I, I tell people that too because especially having a, a kid my my um, little boy's gonna be 11 months old and so the last year was trying to find time 
in between diapers and oh, I know. nap time to work out or to watch TV or to you know have some alone time with with the wife and with the working out part you know if you didn't work out today then and I actually gave it a, a brief lecture to some residents that I work with um, about how to maintain a healthy lifestyle during your residency I'm assuming it's very busy for them <laughs> I've never been a resident I'm not a physician but I imagine it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of time demands and so it was about being creative with your workouts too so I you know, if you're able to stand up from, if you have a desk job, you can stand up and do air squats mm-hmm. for a five minute break. You know, are you going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger size? No, that requires hours at the gym, but relative baseline of health. Um, I think especially with today's research that a modern lifestyle with sitting too much is not healthy for long term. is trying to squeeze in some type of physical activity when you can, mm-hmm. and whether it's holding a baby and doing squats or lunges or doing 10 push-ups after you get them to the bed, or whatever it is that's trying to squeeze in time. And then later on when your time allows it, you can go to the gym and do your bodybuilding if you want. But, you know, and also having goals written down, like what is your physical goal? What is your mental goal? What are you trying to get out of this so that you at least have a, a, an idea of where you're going? Right, and it's important, too, that your son or your kids or daughters, you know, they're not going to stay that age. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a phase. Yeah. Mm. Not as not as though it's a bad thing, but for now, this is what your child needs. Right. That so, that you can get back to it later. Right. But attempting to do every everything all the time, irrespective of your current set of circumstances, is not balance. Right. You have a kid. I. I mean, I have two, and I was doing my internships and, you know, breastfeeding and there was the other one and my husband and myself, it was like, you know what? I'm not going to the gym right now. I'll yeah. make healthier eating choices yeah. instead. Yeah. Compensate and somewhere. I, that's right. That's how you find the balance. Not, okay, you know what? It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get up and do sit up. No. That's like, yeah, no, regimen. homie, it's <laughs> not going to help. No, no. that's not balance. <laughs> because the, the, I mean, just to you, let's get away from the children, but like if, you know, going to grad school or something, you didn't have that element in your life mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Now you do. You're not, if you're going to, if you act like, if I act like I can do everything the same, I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. And again, in comes the anxiety because I'm not doing it well. I'm not doing it right. And it's like, why did you think you were still going to do that? But that's why I come back to acceptance. Like you're going to accept the change. You're going to, you're going to have kids. You're going to accept that change. Uh, I'm going to get into grad school. I'm going to accept that change. That's why I feel like uh, the word acceptance so much. But I, I wanted to go back to the the feelings you keep talking about. You keep talking about uh, expressing these feelings. How do you express these feelings? Like, like should I have said something different to the lady? Like, literally, hey, you upset? Or Because, like I said, the modern stoicism is like, you have this feeling, acknowledge the feeling, mm-hmm. and react accordingly to the situation. But you keep on talking about... Accept the feeling, connect to the feeling. What do I do after with the, with the feeling? That's where I'm confused. Sure. So, and so I'm not saying that, um, especially as a dog. I'm a little lost. Yeah. No, it's I'm okay. Like, in, this is, in this society, <laughs> time, two men so. and a woman, feelings. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> well, no, I, I want to be better because, like you, you say, it's going to be a, a, a better athlete, a better person in general. So I, that's why I'm interested in this podcast. Like, So, so um, I'm not saying to be a toddler and then throw the fit in that moment, yeah. right? I mean, we don't live in a vacuum. We live in the U.S. 
we live in we have certain norms and and social etiquette requirements that are necessary that we follow because if we don't we're going to look like we're cray cray mm-hmm. right so i think it's great that you were able to check yourself but like later on so yes i think you were completely uh, what you did was completely appropriate um probably better than me but that's that's a different story. So it was great that you could do that. But say after, say you the situation's done, but you're still pissed off. That's lingering. There's nothing. But I mean, yes, to a a point though. I mean, I'm if you went uh, to speak to your wife and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this really sucks. Now I gotta go. No, no, no. That's you can do that. I'm saying it, where it, it becomes problematic, where it's like, um, you're not talking about how irritated you are. And because of this car wreck and all the time it's going to take you to get the car repaired and all this kind of stuff, uh, that you don't talk about that and you act like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then you get to like somewhere else, you get to the dealership, not the dealership, but the car uh, repair place Mm -hmm. and you bite the person's head off or you bite your wife's head off because you're just so irritated or now your neck hurts. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. So it's not complete acceptance because there are some things that you should not accept. Mm-hmm. And to be afraid to 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 believe that you should just accept things, mm-hmm. yeah. that's not going to work either. Mm. It's no. Sometimes you have a legit reason to be ticked off. Sometimes you have a legit reason, and to express yourself in that moment, on the spot correction. You know, your kid. Uh, just because we all have kids, and they're a convenient uh, example. I mean. You're only going to be able to be patient for so long until you you know you realize that you're, they're just not listening. Yeah. And you're going to get upset. That's fair. I wouldn't want my kid sometimes to help me figure out what to do. I externalize to my my daughter. Would I be okay if my daughter acted the way I did? So, for example, uh let's talk uh, I had a couple who there are marital issues and guy was stepping out on her you know or he and he was kind of he was being really mean and affairs don't necessarily end marriages but they were working through it and he was just being mean to the wife okay and i said to him would you want your daughter to be married to someone like you hmm. and that's when it it clicked aha moment right so accepting is okay but not not for everything you have to have standards you know what i mean yeah that's all i'm saying no that's that's great yeah yeah yeah. um and we can't all break down in heb when we feel like it right again those are the social norms i was referring to yeah you gotta hold it together for the time being and then be able to let yeah. it go or a little bit. I know I'm repeating myself, but then it's like I, I catch myself. It's like okay, there's that balance. I got it. Some things I'll accept, some things I will not. So there's that balance. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept that. That's right. BS. Right. I'm coming back to the midline. Right. Or yeah, that was shitty, but I'm going to come back to the midline. Yes. So accept it. So that's what, that's what I mean. I'm I'm trying to do in life. So well, you, you what did my one of my supervisors said? You don't you don't try. You either do or you don't. Yoda. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So, it, but it's true. You either, yeah. and that's okay. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, trying, yeah, it's a funny word. Um, I know what I, w- I wanted to bring up. We talked about you were bringing up residents and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yes. 
So, and acceptance, I kind of want to bring these two together. So in this world, in this society in particular, there's a lot of people who want to be doctors, who want to be in special forces, who want to be um, uh, a superstar and all of this kind of stuff. But one thing I think people struggle with doing is taking the the bad with the good. Mm-hmm. And so... They don't, in other words, they don't think through the consequences that come with such high-profile positions. High, I mean, being a doctor, right. you know, even being a physical physical therapist, being a counselor, these things come with great things, and they come with because it's balance. Right. It's going to come with its share of poop too. So mm-hmm. if you don't accept the shit that's going to come with it. Mm-hmm. Those times when they're tired and all of that, Mm -hmm. that's going to make that person's life miserable. Right. You know, and I think people go in not really, they want to be optimistic about what what they're doing. It's it's almost like it's overly optimistic. Right. It's overly optimistic. And I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be awesome, and and they go, shit, I have all these school loans, or my my marriage is falling apart, I'm falling apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my mind is gone because I'm, you know, CIA <laughs> officer and I freaking don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. It, you know what I'm saying? Like right. people mm-hmm. don't think through the the bad stuff. Yeah. And I know that it sounds like I'm maybe a party pooper, but in with stoicism. I think it's a realist. But but that's the thing about Buddhism that we, we as in Asians, to put us all in a bucket because, you know, we're all the same. I'm just joking. <laughs> <that's not true>. uh, <laughs> we, we're, we don't have this kind of American, like, everything's going to be great. and da, 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 da. It's, right. No, sometimes it just sucks and you deal with it. Yeah. So that's where that stoicism comes from. You fucking deal with it. Right. You yeah. just, and you keep going, knowing that things will change whether you like it or not. So that's where that acceptance comes from. It, but it, and it comes from understanding that you want this, you wanted, you wanted to be this pro athlete, you wanted to be this doctor, this lawyer, mm-hmm. not just put in work, but it's going to suck sometimes. Yeah. And right. if you don't really, if the person doesn't really want it, like if they're doing it for mommy or daddy or because they think that that's so cool in society, if that's the only reason why they're doing it or not only but a large reason, right? they won't be able to sustain the work it's going to take to be successful in that field. They won't have that real connection that you're talking about. They won't. You, you just lose motivation. Like I don't know. I mean getting this PhD, for example um, – it's not easy. And yeah. if I really wasn't interested in what I'm researching and dealing with the coursework and the three-day comprehensive exams, you know, that I'm not going to sustain. Right. And But because I wanted it. Yeah. Not because my mommy or daddy or uncle or grandmother said to do this. Then I can reach in and pull up that strength that's required to get through the crappy nights where I have written – absolutely nothing isn't that why they say you have to have a strong why why are you doing this yeah but people need to understand how to define their why exactly that's the problem so right that's right so it's always behind that it's always okay yeah what's your why okay Mm -hmm. well let's talk about how you got your why let's talk about your criteria for your why you know i don't know about you two but my criteria in terms of my husband 
I had a whole different set of criteria early on. <laughs> it changed, you know, from being younger to, to now. I, I thought, you know, he needed to be 6'3", and that, whatever, you right. know. Because that's what I thought was important. Uh, he needed to be college educated, blah, 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 this stuff. Um, yeah, no, wrong, wrong. But someone needed to, I needed to learn how to define my why and where that was coming from and making sure that it was intrinsic versus overly extrinsic. Mm-hmm. Because you can't control, you're not going to control the outside. Do you recommend a lot of journaling to your clients or writing down goals? It depends on the client. Mm. I, if I were to go, when I go to therapy and they tell me to write, right. I just look at them like I'm not doing <laughs> that, that. You're giving me a whole other task to do. I just, that is not my thing. Sure. I don't, I'm not a journal. Some, yes. If I can, t- if I see that they're into that, um, or I've picked up on something they've said, then yeah, absolutely. Hmm. But being a good counselor, a psychologist, social worker, un- and understanding life and mental health if if it doesn't come from within it's not going to work sure so telling someone to journal who can't stand journaling is not it's not conducive that that makes sense yeah so it's that's why connection is so important because i can sense or i can pick up on things that are important to the individual and that's where the clinical work for me starts is Mm. i start working with you because you're the expert I just kind of I just help guide you and ask you very pointed questions so that you can get to the bottom of things. Even though I'm kind of I, I pretty I drill down pretty quick. Yeah. But I gotta wait for you. You know what I mean? I gotta kind of bring you with me. Yeah. And say, you know, what's the real deal? And for you to accept what the real deal is, because sometimes people don't want to accept what what the real deal is. Like when they don't want to. Like, I'm trying to lose weight, but I can't. Well, okay, you don't want to right now then. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. You know what I mean? Not to say that it's okay, but stop acting like, I'm going to do it this time. Just stop it. Let it go. You don't want to do that right now. Yeah. Stop beating yourself do up you, for do it. Do you get tired of seeing clients that do do that? They're like, this is what I want to do, but you can tell right off the bat, they're not even in in the right path to do what they want to do. So does that bring you down a little bit? Like, come on, you're being fake with yourself. You know, I've, but see, I say that. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I do. Give you a high five for that. I, I, I'm like, dude, you don't want this <laughs> yeah. or stop being a spoiled, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've had to learn through trial and error. Sometimes I drill down so fast and I show what I think is, what I think is the the bottom line and they're not ready to hear it Mm -hmm. or I'm absolutely wrong. So I've learned to like that dial I I talked about earlier. I've learned to calibrate the way I do therapy too. too. Right. And again, I'm not, you know, I haven't been doing this for 20 years and I was never a professional athlete. Well, you know what? That's like assuming all oncologists had cancer. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not even realistic. I am an expert at, I'm actually just more of an expert in myself and and all the bull I've told myself Mm -hmm. and I am with those core things and and, in life we share a lot of those same experiences do people own it Mm. 
No. People want to act like they're all great. All right. I don't, I've learned to not do that. So I'm, I'm an expert at, I guess, the bullshit of life because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the bullshit. I bullshit myself. Um, and, and have come out of that. And can catch myself when I'm still doing it. I'm not saying I'm immune, yep. but a lot of people they don't know how to do that, and and so and that's where the connection comes in because they find me pretty authentic and like okay she's she's pretty you know she's gonna tell it like it is and and she's okay maybe I'm okay you know what I mean it's like that I'm not I agree with that no hundred percent like once again it's just I don't know I don't want to call it a mature thing but the older I get the more I realize like I've bullshitted myself I'm gonna do this I don't do it. So on and so on. So I think that's great. A lot of great coaches are never professional right. athletes, and some of the you're either a player or you're a coach, or some people can do both, <laughs> exactly. which is very rare. Very, but yep. still, I think that's amazing. So, I don't know. do you find um, your clients are they usually more like business professionals looking to improve their performance? If they're speaking in public, or are there are there a fair number of athletes coming to you as well? I've had more athletes, and interestingly, I've had a lot of, and in I for I don't know why. I mean, there's probably a number of reasons why, but I get a lot of adolescents, hmm. which is also very. But is that on their own, or is that because their parents want them to to hit the next level? There's a when you go back to that intrinsic thing mm-hmm. do i want to be here or do my that's parents right want me and to that's be why here? i kind of paused because a lot of times it's mommy and daddy and i'm and the kid mm-hmm. you know the, there's so much pressure or they don't want to or they're they they're like i had a client who who acted like he just totally wanted it and and he 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 wanted it wasn't intrinsic he wanted to play uh, collegiate level golf but I think it was because he was trying to be, you know, cool and be with the um, preppy golfer kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but he was kick ass in football. But mm. it wasn't. Prestigious. Um, it wasn't his. Yeah. He For some reason, he placed more value on golf than he did being a great football player. Hmm. And um, yeah, no, he won that. I mean, you know, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so, um, but I wasn't going to tell him that, int- but mom knew mom was like, I just, I don't want to not give him a chance, Sure. but I have a feeling he's not going to make it. He's not going to get a scholarship or anything, or he won't make it on, on the team. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to help him through this transition or, yeah. oh, but I'll, I don't know it. what's going to happen, but let's just see, you know. Well, that seems like it's good on mom because Mom brought him sure, to Sure, but sometimes like, I have the other side. Yeah, the or dad, yeah. I've gotten phone calls like, yeah, my son's 10. And, you know, he play. I'm like, why are you, you know, I just, you're, he's 10. Yeah. Right. He's 10. I got to be that parent right now. So my daughter's six. I uh-huh. think she's a phenomenal athlete. But she doesn't like being coached in anything, school, sports. By anything. you or anyone? Anyone. She's all like, right. I know it all. Oh. I know it's six, but it's like... Well, who's telling her she knows it all? She, oh, I don't know, herself. Maybe grandma. Maybe you're right. I Definitely not me. Kids are always a product I, of I their environment. Her, I told her, it's like, babe, it's okay to not know everything. Because I know I, know, I don't know everything. 
Like when, when I know something, I make it a point to tell my kids like, hey, instead of saying let's go Google that because everybody says that, let's go research that. Because I know for a fact it's not good to say I know everything. Because once you say I know everything, you've cut everything off. So I want my daughter to get out of that, that phase. Well, somebody, she's getting that somewhere. But she's only six. It's probably grandma. <laughs> I'm being serious. Probably grandma. Well, let's talk to grandma. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up. In fact, I'm going to see grandma today actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but but seriously, is that is that something where people in general – I know you told Dylan about, you know, kids are kids at a certain phase. Maybe she'll grow out of it. But let's talk about adults. Do you have adults to where they're like, they're just uncoachable, which I've seen in the gym, but they have talent and they have phenomenal abilities, but they're like, no, I'm going to stick to my routine. I don't need this coach. mm. So do you you tell people or help them find a way of like, you can be coached. You can be better. You can hit a next level if you just allow yourself to be coached in general talent isn't enough ever that's what i mean talent isn't enough for success in any field um it's it's hard work it's getting through the muck that's going to come with the hard work there's a lot of talented people out there who are lazy as all get out um there are great test takers who are terrible um, in university, you know, or in high school? They're lazy. They, it's not, it's not talent. And if they don't want it, they don't want it. And you've got to find a way, or what motivates that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to make sure when I see adolescents because I can't do therapy with minors without consent of a legal guardian. So I always have to see mom, dad, or guardian first anyway, um, because they got to sign my paperwork. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I try to get a sense of why the client, who the identified patient is and why they're being brought here. Okay. And then once the guardian okay. leaves, I do my best to connect with my client and figure out what's going on. And a lot of times it's not skill or, you know, I don't know my tumbling past, some, some drama, some thing at school or... Mom and dad aren't getting along. Right. It's something else that's getting in their way from being able to, to focus. And in terms of adults, um, I've had more – well, if they want it, then they're going to be coachable. Like people who come to me are seeking assistance and so they're usually going to be open to it anyway. The people who think they're already seeking that, coach. sure. If they're if they're right, and if so, I don't have to deal with okay the people who think they're all of that. And if they come in and they think they're a little bit of that, um, that's fine. And and I'll quell it by you know asking them pointed questions again, like why? So then why are you here then? Well, okay, well it's because of da, 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 da. Like, all right. Well, let's get back to that instead of you <laughs> busting out your resume or your scorecard all the time. Yeah, you know. No, I wanted to go back. I, I think I remember reading the reason I believe my daughter's like you said the environment, right? Is um, in the Mexican culture, if you know how to do a little reading here and there, and your answers, we tell you, "Oh, you're so smart. You're amazing. You're smart." Mm-hmm. So the kid, as soon as they get it wrong, they're like, "Oh no, I'm not getting that praise anymore." So they're like, "No, no, no, I know it." Like they'd rather do the easy stuff that they do know, so they get that praise from grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles. Oh man, you're so smart. You're amazing. Blah blah blah. But as soon as you tell them one time they messed up, baby, you you got that wrong. 
they, she throws a fit. But I think it's because of that. I'm the only one that tells her it's okay to get that wrong. It's okay to not get that right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why she throws that fit with me because I'm not the one saying, hey. Well, so again, it's, it's a, you're not the only one in her world. So even if you're trying to offset some things, she's got this whole these, – all these other people – that give her praise mm-hmm. and it again it's just trying to uh, finding a way to find balance yeah you know you also um you don't want the kid to stress out because they got it wrong too correct yep. you know what i mean because that's another ball of wax right. and so in other words you know the parent gets so upset when something goes wrong that they're just afraid like to even yep. say that I got it wrong or... And that's how um, you scare them off task as well, right? You, you can. Get, you, mm-hmm. you, you're so, I don't know, strict with that mm-hmm. one thing. They don't want to do that anymore. Right. They, they connect that thing with, I do this and I mess up once. I'm good. I don't even want to touch it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, over time, and she's only six. She's only, what, she's going <laughs> on when, second grade or uh, not, like, baby, first Baby, if you hear this when you're 20, I still love you. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, they're they're really one of first, and it's weird because I do have I have three kids, and she's fierce. She's very. She's fierce. the last one. No, she's actually the old. I have twins that uh-huh. are six, and then a four year old that's about to be five, I only see. sixteen months apart, and they all have their own personalities. My oldest boy, he's like, I don't want to try anything. I just want to be a bookworm. My daughter, she's fierce. Like she's like, I want to win everything. So my youngest son, he's also like that. So they butt heads a lot. They're always in competition. Spelling, video games, whatever. It may Boys be. do that. Girls play with each other. Boys play against and on top of each other. I don't know what that. I know what that's about, but yeah. boys are different. <laughs> so, I don't know. Golly. But so, how do you make these connections? What's what's some exercises or routines or things that you help these people that you've seen or athletes or? So I so. Being a good mental health professional requires that the person has a good sense of who they are. Because only then, if I'm aware of my stuff, will I be able to help teach someone how to become aware of their own. So I'll, like we spoke about earlier about the fist clenching, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about things like that. And, and, and if you, if a counselor stays present, because this is how we're trained, we stay present with the person in, in session, um, whereas sometimes, depending on the psychologist's approach or any other mental health professional, they're going to give you an assessment, a diagnostic test of sorts to determine whether or not you have anxiety, depression, or blah, 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 all these things. The way I work, and some counselors do that too, but the way I work is um, I pay attention to what's going on here because even in this room, it's a microcosm of how we are outside. Right. It, it just is. You we can't all turn have, it off. Sorry? You can't turn it off. What, no, you are who you are. Yeah. You got a personality. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And we, right. we can't turn it off. So if I stay present, I'm going to pick up on things. You say that you've done demeanors, things that you haven't said, and those all fill in. They give me reference points. So y'all know, I don't know what they're called. This is what I mean about I'm such a terrible. Like, um, those pictures, what you look at and the blot, the ink blots. You know, not the ink blots, but the one is like, do you see a candle or faces? Or you know that one? Oh, or yes, the yeah. one? It's yeah. like black and white, and some people see the candle first, and the other people see the faces. First. And you are what you are. You see that first. I don't whatever. know. I don't even get. See, I don't even get that. <laughs> my, but my point is that 
I tend to because I'm never gonna know you, right? I'm, I mean, we've just met. I we have limited time. Sure. So what what I've become very apt at doing is is looking at the information around you, okay. and then creating you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Because I have more access to that information than than what you're gonna give me. Because one, like I said, time. I don't know. Like, and you might not tell me everything. Sure. Because why would you, right? And how could you? We don't have that kind of relationship. So I, I don't pretend I'm going to really know this person, but I can make good, I can speculate on some things based on what they tell me around who they are, what they're doing, how they're sitting, when they speak, what they speak about, what words they emphasize. And But see, I think a lot of that comes from my upbringing too, being Asian and... And being mixed with black, too, and understanding to pay attention to signals around, again, the context of things. Because the context brings so much meaning to a situation, yeah. a person. So going, that was like a really long way to get off topic about your question, JC. I, Basically, I, what, I, what I do is <laughs> I pay attention to patterns then. Hmm. To, so... Mm-hmm. My own patterns. I, gosh, I know when I get nervous, I start like scratching, even though I'm not itching. So I'll, I, and I do that. And I notice I do that. So if I do that, I'm like, okay, Tridia, plant, let me plant my feet. Let me just take a couple of belly breaths. Um, and I'll talk about that later. But I, I know my patterns. So if I watch you and we start talking about, or I watch you, Dylan, mm-hmm. and we start, we start talking about something specific and I start noticing you're doing something you weren't doing earlier, okay. I may or may not check into that, depending on the pattern I pick up on. So if you start talking, let's say I have a client and, and they're talking about how um, their ex is really making the... Um, it's really messing up their golf game, you know? And I just get so mad and, and they start gripping onto the, the couch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, do you realize that's what you're doing, or do you? So when you're when you had a bad day and you want to go play golf, like, are you? Do you grip onto the club too hard, or are huh. you? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Um, so you're really. I know you don't like the word mindfulness, but you're really watching yourself. Once you watch yourself, you can improve on things. Is- oh yeah, because you can catch yourself again. Your body, there's going to be a physiological reaction. Remember how I said you experience the world through your five senses first and then you but it's the 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 synapsis all of that it happens so instantaneously it's it's almost impossible to separate the two but um but if you pick up on okay i'm getting nervous i can start feeling the butterflies or my hands are starting to sweat if you can catch yourself doing that there are ways to combat that by getting back into your body by controlling the breath you know, that will help then bring down your blood pressure, your heart rate, and things like that. I, I used to um, really dislike speaking in public because I would get, I would feel myself get flustered and anxious. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I do that, I start speaking really fast. A lot of people do. And it's hard to understand me. And I mumble already, so it's hard to understand <laughs> me. But I would, I would notice that. And then you could also feel like you're holding your breath the entire time. <clears throat> and then, over the past few years, I've started doing more. Uh, started off doing in services at work, and then I've I've given some lectures to professional uh, in, in a professional capacity, and I've 
become much better at being able to recognize when I'm starting to get a little nervous or getting mm-hmm. excited about something. If there's a specific topic, I can hear myself start talking faster or I pick up that my chest is starting to get really tight. Like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. let's stop and take a break or mm-hmm. a breath. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't help that I'm chronically clogged up because my sinuses are horrible. So I'm competing with not being able to breathe through my nose and breathe through my mouth. <laughs> Talk and breathe at the same time. <laughs> so I don't I'm, know if that's possible. I'm trying to better manage it. But I've gotten better by you know, recognize those tells basically. And I'm a horrible poker player, so I'm sure I have a ton of tells when I'm feeling <laughs> off. Uh-oh. Um, I recognize those things when I've, especially when I'm getting nervous or like in basketball, when I used to play basketball, I'm not a great shit talker. I, I flood uh-huh. words. I'm not great. I'm never going to be able to compete <laughs> with somebody. Cause I, when I get nervous or angry, I start speaking and I'll stumble, I'll stutter mm-hmm. or I'll just, and I just, I gave up. I tried one time in a game, and it didn't work out. So I just – I'm not that player. Uh, I'm, Why is he speaking French to me? <laughs> <laughs> and so I – but I actually – I had parents that were – did a good job of getting me to, like, pause and, like, kind of think about your your emotions or why – my dad's practiced Buddhism when I was a kid, so he would always kind of, inf- like, give me things to think about – and not necessarily mindfulness, but just stop and take a break and like think about what you're doing and think about your reaction to things. And and yeah. that, that helped not so much when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I noticed I've, that was must've stuck in my head. Cause I've, as I've gotten older, I've starting to kind of put those things into, into practice mm-hmm. when I didn't, when I was in high school, cause I was like, okay, whatever. Well, you clearly have a lot you're trying to get out. That's the other thing. Your mind probably works really, really, sure. really fast. Sure. Um, and some, I know I use a lot of humor, and I, I don't self-deprecate in the sense that like I I I think oh my god I'm so de-. more but I can I make fun of myself a lot too so if I you know mess up somewhere if I'm if if I know for example um, I'll put myself in your shoes Dylan I'm talking really fast and and I catch myself I'll be like okay so. Y'all probably didn't get any of that, huh? Because I'm talking fast and I'm pretty nervous right now. So sometimes if you just right. kind of own it right there, it just right. it like releases the energy, and then the mm-hmm. people laugh. And because everyone they they get it, people they they get it. And and those that are out there being all like, "I'm a doctor and you're nothing," they, <laughs> whatever. They, they're the minority, quite honestly. Sure. And the more real you are about you. Mm-hmm. Like me, and I kind of make fun of myself. The more people tend to be like, okay, so she's not going to be all like, oh, I know everything. Like, no, fuck that. I don't know everything. I know about me. Let me tell you how I learned about me, and maybe some of these things will work for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. And chances are, at least some of them will, because we're all human and we experience the same emotions. That's why Inside Out was able to, like, make a big Pixar movie because there's things that we can all relate to sure. as yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And then people in the United States, people in Texas, people in San Antonio. There's are, there's are, there's certain things like norms that are at play that influence kind of how we are. But see, again, those are the contexts and those patterns that I'm quick to pick up on. And they help me navigate, um, you know, life kind of wherever I am because I'm quick to pick up on okay this is how it is here okay okay I can see this or um I don't know if that made any sense no yeah yeah I understand uh pattern recognition is definitely a big one that I've also learned to start adapting to my life um but I don't know it's just I lost topic sorry 
when you're working with someone, an athlete or someone working, trying to better their performance in whatever capacity they're, they're seeing you for, do you, there are times when you have to recognize your, like you're saying before, your emotions and accept you're going to have bad days, mm-hmm. you're going to have good days. But if there if there's a game coming up or if there's a presentation coming up, do you have strategies to teach them like when you're when it's time to perform, no matter what type of week you're having, here's how you can practice bottling that for a minute so yep. you can perform and mm-hmm. focus, and then when it's done, you can continue dealing with what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what what how would be a strategy to to so I have that? used a lot of hypnosis. Okay, not with all of my clients, but hypnosis is really all it is is. It's an intense focus on one in particular thing. You have an intention. Um, it's also, uh, let me take a step back. You, the person um, needs to be in a relaxed state because usually when we're, in a, when we're in a relaxed state, we take on information a little bit better mm-hmm. or information comes out better um, in, in the sense of like ideas and stuff like that. Um, it's one of the reasons why kids will take on anything you tell them because they're so like chill they'll believe you know whatever you tell they're so open you don't start closing off as a person until you get older and you start your frontal lobe starts developing and you start thinking about judgments and social Mm. expectations and your brain starts to freaking you know when your light switch isn't quite right it goes yeah all of that um Kids are open and, and they're relaxed. That's why people say they're resilient and they can adapt. Why? Because they're just going with it. They're cool. Yep. So when you're relaxed in hypnosis, you're more likely to take on suggestions. And so in hypnosis, we use a lot of suggestions. And so we ask I, I in hypnosis, a lot of times we do like a quick interview and say, okay, what do you want to focus on today? And da da da, like that. And um, based on what they tell me, I use a lot of their language to make it connect with them better. So hypnosis, in in a lot of a lot of, I mean, hypnotherapists, uh, we're all kind of different, but um, there are some core things. Like we use scripts. We use a lot of script. We we're reading, and um, but we also tailor and customize the script to our client and the particular issue, whether it's smoking cessation or weight loss or performance enhancement, things like that. So I see where their issue is, what they want to work on, and then I make suggestions to counter that. After that, so that's one technique, or at least part of some techniques that I use. The other thing that I do is before the hypnotherapy session, for example, I do a lot of... um, not role play, but reenactment. So for example, I had a gymnast um, and I said, okay, show me what you do right before you do your tumbling pass. Because again, the idea is to catch yourself before you start blah, 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 right? Because once you're in it, Mm -hmm. now you got to undo it. Mm -hmm. So you want to figure out what's happening right before. So, okay, well, I'm... I usually shake my hands out. Blah, blah, blah. I see what they normally do when they've had like a successful, whatever it is, a game or tumbling pass or a swim meet or something like that. Because um, every good athlete has like a routine that they do, their little setup. 
they, they, I don't know, grab the club, they plant their feet, they wiggle, I don't know, whatever their thing is. Okay, everybody right. has a thing. Right. Um, and if they don't have a thing, sometimes it's good to kind of put one in there for them. Bottom line is, if they have a little ritual that they do that helps them kind of get into that moment and that focus, I, I put it into the script and I say, I give them their routine so that if those negative thoughts start coming in, one, they can acknowledge them and let them go and get back to their little their little mantra, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. And saying, okay, plant my feet, check my blo- the you know, look at the lie, this, that, you know, or or if the gymnast is thinking about her tumbling pass, she's like, round off, back handspring, back handspring, back tuck, round off, back handspring, back handspring, back tuck. Like, it's just a constant, dun, 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 dun. and whatever it is for them. Just they're doing that right before, and that, and they, they're also visualizing. That's the other thing that hypnosis h- helps with is to visualize it, and then so that way they can kind of get into their heads with that that mantra or that little chant or their phrase, whatever they want to call it. So they can stay in their head, so to speak, so they can let their body do what it needs to do. Because mm-hmm. again, at that level, you've trained hard enough, well enough. You can't really get any better at that point once it's game day right so you got to do it and you got to let you and you've done it before or you're you're here because you have the ability to do it right so get out your head and get let your body do what it's going to do so the mantras and the chants help give them something to do mentally so physically they can they can execute so it sounds like I'm pretty sure it sounds like uh, you have two athletes that are physically equivalent, but yet the one that has the better state of mind. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Who's going to – who? And, and that's the other thing. It's not always just the mantra. It's also, it's also positioning. It's also posturing. Yeah, that's psyops for you. You know, if you got the person that yeah. looks kind of like, oh, I'm scared. Well, psh, you know, or if you're there, you might, you might be a little bit unsure, but you know and you, you're going to stand up straight and you – you're going to mess them up in the head. You, you want to mess the other person up a little mm-hmm. bit. See, the, the weird thing, uh, you know Mike Tyson? Why are you asking me if I know Mike I'm Tyson? I'm just making sure. Yes, I know Mike Tyson. <laughs> He's actually on both sides of the spectrum, believe it or not. In terms of what? The, the mental ca- uh, capability before he gets in the ring, he, the way he talks about it, it gives you goosebumps. The way he talks about how he's already defeating a mentally a oh, person, okay. um, the way he already sees it going down. He goes through all that and he talks about it. It's amazing. But the thing that everybody knew about Mike was when he entered the ring, he was dominant. He was going to win. But mentally, if he couldn't get, if he couldn't knock you out by the third round, then mentally he defeated himself, and that's how he would end up losing. So it's kind of weird. Like mentally, he was on point going in. Well, that's the thing. It's not always going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not a. It's not a magic. But it's, it's crazy. That, that's you know, how it works. Well, and and that works for him. The other error that we make a lot of times is we try to emulate other people. Yeah. I can't do someone else like they're going to do that. I can I can I'm going to be badass me. I can I'm only going to be me or even if I take something I like from someone else, it still has Tritia's flavor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if I do if I try to do someone else, it's going to show I'm going to suck. Right. People are going to be like, oh, she friend, you know, she's not, that's not even, she's not being authentic. Right. Right. So, and, and I've seen so many people come in, my athletes, well, I've tried this way, I've done it that way. Well, is that you? Is that something you wanted to do? Mm. You know, well, 
yeah, but, or, you know, add your own flavor so that it is intrinsic to you, it's personal to you, and you can sustain. It's about sustaining. I have heard, there was a therapist who told me once, because I told her, well, you know, I look at life like it's a, it's a marathon. And she looked at me like I was the dumbest person in the world. She said that, you know, uh, like I was wrong. She told me I was wrong. She said, well, if you think life is a marathon, then I can't, can't help you. Because her point was, if I don't know how to stop and smell the roses kind of thing, that I'm, gonna ha- I'm not going to do any better. And, and it's funny, I, I don't know what the heck I was watching, but some big name person on TV was like, life is like a marathon. I'm like, ain't this some shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but, <laughs> so again, you know, not, things don't work. F- one thing isn't going to work for every person. Yeah, of course. So it's about integrating positive things into yourself and how you yeah. want to do it. You know, even the celebrities now, the music artists and stuff, Prince and, I know he's dead, but like they all that they were so awesome because they were so them themselves. Right. Yep, that's why. Yeah. Not you know that's why NSYNC, Nuke is on the block, and all them other fools. They you know they're not yeah, around yeah. anymore because yeah. they're all the freaking same. I mean, come on now. Are you okay? Oh yeah, you're for a little bit. And uh, next, you can't replace all those hardcore, authentic people. Yeah. Those are the icons. Right. Yeah, but they're the extreme. Like this is a, fu- a really funny connection. I was recently. Um, going back and binging the uh, Fast and Furious movies and I noticed that I couldn't get through the second one um, okay. because it was it felt inauthentic it felt like all like there was this really I mean they're movies so they're acting in, in yeah. general but it just was it felt like of all the movies <laughs> the writing was just so forced the way it was oh just, yeah they're like the slang they were putting in was just like I don't think they would use, they, yeah I, I think know, of like Rush Hour like yeah, Rush yeah, Hour yeah. was like so funny and then the second one was like dude y'all wrote that into was this Chris? Chris uh, Tucker. 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 Yeah, Chris Tucker. Into the script, like yeah. man, just let him ad lib, you yeah. know. Yes. And then the third one got worse. I'm like shit. Now they're coming out with a fourth, but I mean, I still don't watch it because I think really? they're funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> this isn't when you're being inauthentic or you're making people try to fit a mold as an athlete or whatever you're trying to do. I think people pick up on that, so they know when you're when as a condition too. When I'm telling something to somebody and I'm not being myself or being honest with them, I'm, I'm trying to. Give them the. I think I'm making a, right. a small connection here. Uh, hopefully, I can uh, uh, say it out loud. Is I think what people see is like they see whatever on TV, radio, whatever it might be, and they say, "Oh, that's the shortcut to fame. Let me try that." As compared to, let me do the hard work and be my individual self. And so, I think if they would do the hard work and realize it's going to suck sometimes, mm-hmm. that they would actually be this this person or this uh, completely themselves and that that would make them famous not saying that's automatic but they're going to be a better person instead of like uh people oh let me buy uh, this chain let me dress like uh mm-hmm. the migos or let me be like cardi b or let me let me be the golf guy that's gonna auto, that's gonna let me skip the hard stuff and if i can emulate these people or emulate these things i can get that that uh status but for myself uh growing up I was trying to be a fake somebody. I admit it. And I would only talk to a certain group. I limited myself. And then uh, I had to go to a, a, a different high school. And I, I decided when I transitioned to a different high school, I am going to talk to everybody. 
whatever genre they were, whoever they were. And I think that made me a better person. And it let me find myself like, I'm going to mm-hmm. be myself. I, uh, I could, uh, at work now, I'm, I'm my, I'm myself now. And it's kind of, it's, I don't well, have to, we, we find ourselves again, it's a balance. We find ourselves in many ways in relation to other people. So if you're limiting yourself to only this group, correct, you're going to be like this in because you know you're going to be a certain way because yeah. that's your only reference point. That's your tribe, and that's why like being multicultural or multiracial or you know, being well traveled, you find yourself in in relation to others because you see more similarities, you see more differences, mm-hmm. and then you're able to just like I do in in the in in the. Um, at a micro level in therapy, I get more information around the per- like when I'm listening to what they're saying around the person versus just asking them direct questions. Right. And it's the same thing for the self. You find yourself when you let yourself have more experiences and, and when you make time or you find yourself alone. You know what I mean? So it's both you can't mm-hmm. get away from it it's in freaking biology like i think something like molecules or freaking chemical somethings they have to like balance or they'll they'll like disappear or whatever yeah homeostasis right? or, or something you know they'll or they'll they'll implode or they'll self-destruct or something even like with hips or body stuff you Bacteria know Dylan, right like you can have a bad hip uh but you can't let's say um the person can't get sur- or they want the person to not get surgery until they're a certain age like right. but what's the body going to do it's going to compensate and right. so what happens oh now the other side of their body their knee sucks or da 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 the world will find a way to make you balance out you cannot avoid <laughs> it it's true yeah. it is it is in physics it is in quantum physics it's in all of that we can't get away from it it's part and parcel of the world we live in and we are just tiny particles of it. Mm-hmm. But those same rules apply. And so, like you said, JC, you learned more about yourself by talking to all these other people. And you got a better sense of who you are. And in terms of people wanting to take shortcuts to fame and all of that or thinking they want it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Do you really want it? You realize people are going to be all up in your business? That people are going to be trolling you? That you Do you realize that comes with the territory? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you can stomach that, or if you're aware of that, then... That crap you're not thinking about. That's exactly. And, it's, and, and you might not be picked for that show. Or, you know, what is that going to do? Do you have enough of, do you have a, enough of a sense of who you are to not... To, to be okay, even if what you think you want as an identity doesn't work. That's why athletes have a tr- have problems too, right? They're one injury away from mm-hmm. being Nobody. someone that they are used – from not being someone they mm-hmm. were before. People who um, – and I see this in all – whether the person gets divorced. You know, they used to be a wife or they used to be a husband. I used to be a dad. I used to – right? It's the identity and they mm-hmm. put so much stock – into it that if it's not the way they thought it was going to be they have no idea what to do people in the military same way they take off the uniform they don't know what mm -hmm, or to be a teacher or empty nesters it it's the same principles apply if you really pay attention to the patterns the bottom line patterns of things you'll see that it's very similar it's just the face of it or the outside just kind of looks a little bit different Hmm. That's yeah. I I have found 
with the people I've I work with um, and just have talked to, whether they're athletes or whatever field they're in, when they have a sudden change mm-hmm. and their identity kind of goes with that. And you, you can see it with divorce too a lot too is yeah. when you're all of a sudden you go from being a married couple or whatever for however long and all of a sudden you're not that that crisis can that be, idea of that, what it's yeah. really the idea sometimes it's they're grieving the idea of of what either that person could have been or what their life was gonna be like and and sometimes the healing starts with really acknowledging where the person is so in other words, I'm not going to drill down so fast and be like, oh, just get over it. You'll be, you'll be fine. No, no, no. It's, yeah, no, I get it. It sucks. Do you have a lot of former athletes who are dealing with, like, or even like veterans dealing with how to transition to from one phase to another phase? No. no. I've done that with my husband, though, because <laughs> you know, he retired and became my dependent, you okay. know, and it was like transitioning into like civilian life and, and um, there are rules out there and that's the other thing sometimes hard work that's not even enough all the time i mean is it i I mean i don't you still need connections you still need an education or some sort of training or talent ideally that dovetails with your ability to work hard like there's still other factors that play in if the person thinks that i'm just gonna do it alone no you're not you're not Mm -hmm. you're not And, and that's it goes back to you learn a lot about yourself still in relation to others and this this society, we don't live in a vacuum. I don't pretend that other people have better opportunities or some have worse or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging those barriers because sometimes there they are barriers. Some uh, or acknowledging those obstacles that that get the person really ready to work through them if they really want it. Right. If they really want it, no matter how long it takes, and even to some extent if you never get there because I could die walking out of here, right? I still don't have my PhD. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I might not get there. Sure. So I, that's the other kind of, that's the way I kind of approach things is I realize one day I'm going to die. And so that makes me find the motivation to live, and to go after what I want and how I want and what I choose to do. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to this podcast. Oh, but right. whatever, <laughs> sure. you know, sure. here goes like that. Well, that's kind of how we came to this. I had bounced around an idea of doing a podcast for, I, don't know, I guess, since 2012 when I started listening to podcasts. I didn't know what they were before that. I think that's when I, when I first started. But I was always like, I don't, what am I going to talk about? I'm a physical therapist. I don't want to talk about that because. I, I talk about it all day. I don't really want to uh, uh-huh. make a podcast about that. And then, like, I'm not a comedian. I'm not a musician. I'm not creative. Like, what? And then also, do, do I want to deal with hearing myself because my voice sounds odd to, to me? Like, everybody's. Feel, I think it, a lot of people yeah. feel that way. Yeah. I don't know somebody it's who goes, oh, my voice is so awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who says that? But and then, okay. do you want to, do I want to deal with if, if this goes anywhere and all of a sudden we're, we're online, mm. especially nowadays, do I want to deal with that? Like, and but the, ultimately it came down to like we wanted to just have conversations and discuss stuff whether it's goes anywhere or just a a bunch of recordings on our laptop for our kids <laughs> to listen to and be like well that's neat you know, so so we, we just like our ultimate decision was just like we just need to do it see what happens um, and as smartly as we can mm-hmm. and you know of course we, we went through all the proper channels at work to make sure that you know what 
all the legal stuff, all the stuff that I was worried about in the back of my mind. I was just like, well, I mean, I'm clear. I have my direction. I know where I'm going to go. Let's just do this, mm-hmm. see what happens. Cause you know, it may go somewhere, it may not go somewhere, but tomorrow is going to be what it's going to be. And I could, for the next 20 years, think about, I should have done this. I should have exactly. done that. If you don't, if you want to do something, whether it's podcasting or a new career, my, my wife is a good example. She changed careers uh, after like six years as an interior designer. She went back and became a physical therapy assistant. And that oh, was wow. for, I think it was a good year, year and a half. She was like back and forth, like what I want to do. Um, but to make that decision to just do something is, it, it's a little bit of courage, but also just sometimes you just need to just jump. And, yeah. And, and you got to be practical too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, don't want to screw yourself so you can't pay rent anymore and right. can't, you know, take care of your kids and feed yourself, clothe yourself, clean yourself, all that kind of stuff. So those are the other things, those, right. those very real tangible things. Like don't just think you're going to be the next or I'm not going to sit here and think I'm going to be the next, you know, internet sensation or, or that I'm just going to be able to, you know, do it at all costs. Right. Um, so there's still some very real things that we've got to deal with. And I think, um, going back to your beautiful six-year-old daughter, I don't know if she understands yet that um, serious disappointment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's this idea, like, no matter what, I can do anything. Like, no, you can't. You can can try, but you're going to be up a creek. Like those kids on American Idol, like, who told you you can sing? My mom and dad. No, you suck. Like, why are you even here? Yeah. You know, but it's that whole, I can do anything if I want. That's such bullshit. No, well, you can't. I remember when I was in middle school, I was, I really wanted to be a professional basketball player and I would play basketball. I mean, I did all, I would play nonstop. I was out at till two in the morning sometimes playing basketball. And some people were like, oh yeah, he's going to go somewhere with it. And I was like, oh, I stopped growing. <laughs> and, you know, I was pos- position specific for one position for a long time. So I didn't develop all the other skills. And then to play in college, it's, it's when, mm-hmm. once I'm being aware of like what it actually takes, it was like, you know, it's a good dream to have. And it, it was fun in the moment, but it, it's, I mean, you, you know, gotta be real. You gotta be real. Yeah. And, then, and in high school, you're like, Oh, well, okay. I'm not, you gotta accept maybe this isn't gonna be the problem. <laughs> like, oh, take. that's what D one looks like. Yeah, Shit, I yeah, ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so you, you and you get lucky. I got exposed to some high level athletes where I was like, well, I'm nothing like them. <laughs> I might be able to put the hard work in and become something, but you're also not gonna be Michael Jordan. I'm not gonna be LeBron James. Like sometimes those are always there's always exception to policy. Right. But those are the ones that get sensationalized and everyone tries to emulate, and it's like, mm, mm, that's where you fucked up. And that's where you talk about <laughs> you got to really understand yourself, like. Well, understand world, that you're not LeBron. Understand that you're not Mike Tyson. But not just that, but that too. And understand the world we live in, that they're going to put and market. And I tell my kids now, that's marketing. You know, it's really mm-hmm. not like that. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Um, that That's going to make an influence. It's going to have an impact on the yeah. way we think. And also acknowledging that, understanding what you're being fed. So... Oh, that's why there's an HEB plus on that side of the street and not this side. There's a reason yeah. for that. There's a reason why Mercedes is always advertising their car when the PGA golf thing is on. Right. Those things aren't by accident. Yeah. So it's understanding, um, it's having the right lenses to filter out all the as much poop as you can so that you don't start believing in the hype. Right? Well, like. I have a marketing degree, and so it's kind of weird that I agree with what you're saying because now my six-year-olds and my four-year-olds can kind of watch scary movies because they understand that it's cinema. 
that they understand that that's not real. So we'll take them to like the Halloween store when it comes out. You know, the huge Halloween store. And they have the mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids won't go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my kids will go. They'll actually play with the robots. Even though I'm even scared of them. Like, whoa, scary. But I literally lift up the, the curtain and show them, here's metal pipes, here's wires, here's robots. Yeah. And so now they understand at the age of six, like, this is fake. Right. And and sometimes, again, it's just that it's that balance. I think I got it from my dad because every time I tried to – if I told him one thing, he'd be sure to tell me the other side. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter what it was. But it was even worse when it was something good because he was always, well, don't forget, you know, the umbrella. But um, – it's still okay to be excited about some things. You know, you don't want to be the asshole that's like, you know, everyone well, I haven't else is having Santa, a good... I haven't killed Santa Claus yet. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of I don't stuff. Be like, that Santa's guy. not real. Like, you gotta, like, let oh, them be man. happy. You just reminded me I yeah. gotta pay my kid for the tooth fairy. He lost a tooth last night. You see what I'm saying? Like, Whoops. you don't wanna, you don't wanna be like, look, under your pillow. You see me putting this dollar under your pillow? Right. Yeah, that's not real. Right. I mean, come right. on, you know? You're gonna but, have but, but for fear, like, that I definitely wanted to kill. Fear I wanted to kill because I, I, I didn't want them growing up scared of the dark, like, I can't go get a cup of water because I'm scared. I can't. Okay, but how about this, though? Would you let your daughter walk into a dark garage by herself? Or do you want her to have some sense of, like, okay? Well, I think they have that naturally, instinctively. Do they? I don't know. I don't my, know. I haven't, seen, I haven't found my daughter in the garage. Well, no, the I meant, like, when she's older. Like, yeah. in other words. Well, no, but then there's preparation, too. We explain, okay. like, we have a secret password. Like, like, if I say this word, my kids know to run to me. Like, if I say this word, there's something suspicious. My daughter has even used the word to where, like, she said the word, and her little siblings they collect around mom and dad because mm-hmm. well, they good. see something. So well, I'm not I'm not trying to ruin it for them, but I am trying to prepare them for it. Good, so there's and that's all you can do. And and even then, the world is a brutal place, and shit happens. Of course, yeah. So then yeah. you got to learn how to deal. You got to learn to deal with it, and um, keep on keep it on. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's not easy. I, I think the reason why. Actually, I've never realized how scary the world was until I had kids. Exactly. I was cool with it. Like, yeah, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. invincible, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. Now that I have kids, it's like, fuck, I got to look out for this. I got to look out for that. I got to teach my kids this. I don't want this to happen. I can't believe this Or you can be like old school, like what they say, like, well, we didn't have car seats back in the day. Right. So there is a luxury. There's a mixture. There's a mixture of that at my house. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty – it's – I, I like this field. I, I think I come off as, um, <clears throat> I know at least in school I came off a little bit morbid because of the approach I use is called, it's existentialism. And we are very keen on death and dying mm. and isolation and meaninglessness and all these kinds of things. But like it nihilism? actually, sorry? Like nihilism? No, not nihilism, but more of an acknowledgement that life happens between birth and death. And that if you think you have all this time or you're overly optimistic, you don't acknowledge the two extremes that actually create the balance in the world, you're going to live a life that that is not as fulfilling as it can be because you lose sight of the importance of the moment, of the now. And I, I don't want to get all like yoga-esque, but... Do it. That's no, what No, that's here. not me though. But okay, that's, that's not, not your me. style. That's not okay, my style. totally understandable. Okay. Because it's like... No, shit happens. Yeah, like yeah. you will get off balance, and yeah. it's a matter of like, okay, got it. I'm this is the situation right now, and I got to work to get out of it. And then I get there, I'm like, okay, you know, I can I can relax again, or, or and whatever. I think what I was trying to say earlier, I think this society, um, we are so optimistic. It's part of what makes America great. That's mm-hmm. why everyone wants to come here and kind All of right. thing. The American dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then it's interesting because the people that come here, they 
a lot of them bust their asses and they're the ones, you know, doing great. You got these Amer- Americans and we're like, oh my God, I don't have, you know, perfect skin and I eat Botox or whatever. Right. You see, they ha- it's like a, they don't want to, they have this, it's over, it's, it's superficial. It's, it's, we're overly the marketing optimistic. got to them. Yeah. All of that. So it's like, I tend to come in I, and I'd give the SmackDown kind of thing. Like, right. wake up, please. All right. Realize what you have and, and work with what you got. Because that's what everybody else is doing that are, that's making it. Yeah. So you shut up in color. What kind of, what color crayon do you want? And then go. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's that. I think that's why I was attracted to this like existentialism. Because it was like a, I guess like my dad always did to me. He always gave me the other side. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, at least in, at the time I, where I was in my life, in my mental, my clinical mental health program, it, it that's just where I was, and, and existentialism spoke to me. And um, because everybody else was like, ah, positive psychology, I was like, ugh, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> but you were mentioning earlier uh, having a mantra uh-huh. for the clients. Do you ever use music in your therapy? Well, with hypno, hypno? definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or like some, some, um, Clients, I said, like, do you have a get hype song? Mm. You know, mine is always Lose Yourself, Eminem. Love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my get hype song. You know, I didn't listen to it before coming in here, though. <laughs> I usually do. I mean, you know, I I before I do on. something. Don't put it on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes right. people just, they, or they listen to, like, some indie record. I, I don't know, whatever, or nothing. Um, I like to isolate. You, you see that a lot with, with pro athletes, too. You'll see them kind of by themselves. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they'll just... You'll see them in their corner and they're, they're focusing, they're doing, they're going through their ritual mm. because at that level, again, they are so, they are like machines. So they, it helps to get out of their bodies at this point, back into their heads so they can just focus because their bodies are already trained. Let the body do what it's going to do. And they're doing their, their, their visualizing their, they might be thinking about what's for dinner. I don't know, whatever that right. works for them. And that's, that's between them and their 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 therapist or psychologist or whatever. I usually do a common theme for the podcast, and what I'm gathering is, a everybody's different, so it's going to kind of answer my my question is um, techniques or whatever. To are there any general techniques breathing to declutter the brain right before an activity? So breathing. breathing, but so but it's it's a certain type of breathing. So. You'll hear coaches, and I'm sure, have you played sports too, JC? Yes, ma'am. So, I mean, if you didn't play sports, if you were, like, pissed off, people will tell you, just breathe. Well, if you're not taught how to breathe in a way that's more um, effective to calming down, you could just make it worse. Hmm. So, um, in our chest, we have our lungs. And we have our heart, right? That's cardiovascular. You know, Mr. Um, physical Therapist. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of our – that's our action stuff. we got to breathe. Right. Um, the heart rate goes up. Blood's faster. All this kind of stuff. That's like take action. When we're sleeping, you don't see the chest rising and falling like you do when you run a, a half mile as fast as you possibly could. You see the stomach rising, right? So the stomach is an area for serious relaxation. If you watch babies breathe, their tummies are going up and down more so than when their chest. When they're upset, you know, you can see this part, mm. right? Okay. Yeah. When you eat, we call it the itis. 
and you eat and you're sleepy and you just want to go, you know. It's like a Dave Chappelle skit. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you want <laughs> yeah. So you want to go to sleep. And again, right. it's there's a stomach. They say that your stomach is your second brain because mm-hmm. there is a direct connection. Adrenal glands, cortisol, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's no surprise that when you eat, your body's like, hey, chill out. Don't try running or swimming. You know, they say half of whatever the bullshit is. Anyway, point is you want to relax. So the same is with breathing and trying to calm down. But to execute what I call a belly breath, it actually takes a little bit of practice because normal everyday breathing when we're awake and we're active like this, it's just we're not paying attention. You know, chest probably goes up a little bit. Um, and we're like, okay, no big deal. Probably not taking a full connected breath either, a full conscious connected breath. So to, to do one, what I tell my clients to do is I always tell them to plant their feet. Plant their feet flat on the floor. So, in other words, don't have your legs crossed. Don't uh, you know? Don't be lying down, especially when it comes to like panic. Like lying down, you know, you, you feel vulnerable lying down a lot, right? So, if your feet are planted, you f- you feel like you literally have you're grounded. Okay. Then I say, okay, just relax your shoulders, and then on your next breath, when you exhale, breathe all the way out so that your stomach actually comes in. So, because if you breathe all your air out, your t- your tummy will come in, and then when you inhale, just naturally your stomach will come out. So it's m- it's the air is concentrated more in your diaphragm, intentionally, versus up here, you know, in, in the chest. So if you do if you let that pattern go for a few breaths, it tends to calm the person down instead of you know a football player like calm down. You know the 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 quarterback keeps throwing jacked up passes just breathe and like and he's up here when really he needs to be more tell him where to breathe well how to it's like breathe in your stomach what what the fuck does that mean (laughs) you know so you you tell him exhale push all your air out and the stomach will go in on the next inhale the stomach comes out and you keep that pattern going and you say feel your socks or focus on your toes you know Mm -hmm. even though they're connected to our bodies right now I know I wasn't feeling my toes until I said feel my toes, but I can feel my toes now right. because I'm paying attention. So that helps me get out of, again, the, 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 the ruminating thoughts, like the negative thoughts and all of that. So back into the body and belly breaths. There's a uh, – I can't describe it. It's a back pain or posterior chain strengthening program I teach called foundation training. Mm-hmm. And then one of the aspects that the uh, – people who created it incorporated it was a breathing program or a component to it um what they call decompressing decompressive breathing where they're focused more where are you going bathroom oh sorry <laughs> i wasn't sure if you had to go uh unlock okay, something so okay. you're good um but i was uh part of the breathing program is this really chest expansive program uh-huh. where you're trying to breathe and use all your accessory muscles to decompress the spine. There's this whole program where they're also anchoring the pelvis to try to stretch and give a decompressive effect to the back. Okay. Um, but that is not, and he, in the class when he's teaching it, it's, it's not belly breathing. Because if you do that, belly breathing is more relaxation. This sure. program is trying to activate those muscles. Yep. And so I, when I, <clears throat> I use that, I teach it to the people I work with, but I also use it for myself as a warm-up before I go lift because mm-hmm. it tends to activate the muscles. Yep. <clears throat> and so I do that prior to, but... 
when I'm sparring or, or if I'm hitting the bag in between rounds, I like to practice uh, recovery breaths. And so there's a, I think he's, I think he's fighting the night. Uh, John Jones, uh, the UFC fighter, he's a trainer. Um, I think his name is Greg Jackson. But in between rounds, every time he comes to sit down, the first thing he has him do is is take these big deep breaths, mm-hmm. but more recovery breaths to try yep. to get the heart rate down. Yeah, uh, and they're different types of breathing, like you're saying. There's I wouldn't say is really belly breathing, but when I'm trying to do my recovery breath, it's more definitely more belly involved, but more I'll pause at the inhale ah. and I'll pause at the exhale mm-hmm. and just try to give a couple of heartbeats in between the two, and I'm I see. and I'm usually zoned out just trying to like visualize my heart rate coming down yep. and then I'll do that. I'm trying to get the recovery time. And so what I've been doing now is, is I'll, I'll spar, hit the heavy bag for a song, however long the song is. And then I try to get my heart rate down from wherever it is down to around 100 yep. By before, a certain I, time. before I go again. Yeah. And my max is three minutes and then I, I go again. Yeah. And that, and the more with, and with, you know, dancers, performers and pro athletes, you know, they have the equipment to their their mental health professionals and their trainers, they have the equipment that will help them um, externalize like their heartbeats mm-hmm. and or their oxygen levels and stuff like that, so they can see it. And it it's a um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a visual aid to mm-hmm. say, okay, I did it in this amount of time. You know, I, I calmed down or I brought my heart rate down to this within this amount of time. And then, so there's your kind of your starting point. And the more you practice, the better you get. Right. And at, at eventually, the idea is to, for the athlete to sense where they are without the external equipment. You know, neurofeedback. I mean, it's a form of biofeedback is what it is. Okay. And, and so, I mean, Fitbits are biofeedback. Right. Right? So, so training to, like you were doing, Dylan, to get your heart rate back down to a certain point within a certain amount of time, you can actually maximize, you can, you can get better at that. You can learn and teach yourself how to get there faster. You just have to make it, that's your, you have to make it your intention to do that. Right. And, um, but it's funny how, you know, we are as people, we'll, we'll pop Tylenol, but if we say, okay, let me say this mantra, let me, let me um, work on bringing my heart rate down. We're like, oh man. Western philosophy versus Eastern Basically, yeah, and and we we just we don't um, make those kinds of things a priority yet. I think it's trending a, a little bit, and people are getting better at it because, like a pendulum, you know, everyone was in this positive psychology thing, and or, or everyone was in their heads basically back in the day, fifties, sixties, seventy, well, seventies, everybody was high. But, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. then the pendulum's swinging back the other way. Now everyone wants to be mindful and yoga. Let's relax. And, you know, we went from Arnold Schwarzenegger. We brought him up earlier to, you know, somebody who can touch their nose with their foot. And they call that fit now. I mean, not that there's anything wrong. But, right. again, watching society change over time is also information. And watching that, hey, okay, here we are. We're in this period right now where we're very much into mindfulness and focusing and all of that okay fine i promise you i don't know if it's going to be in my generation or my lifetime or whatever but it's going to swing the other way mm. it just does right Ju- i mean if you look at political political candidates there's no i mean we went from one to the next there is a reason that's energy that that, that those kinds of things are everywhere right. if you pay attention if you just know that there's always going to be a pattern, and some things are random, you know, but 
by and large, there's a lot of pa- there's enough patterns that happen in the world, in our country, in our cities, in our homes, um, and within ourselves. Mm-hmm. That if you're willing to pay attention to your patterns, you will learn how to navigate really, really, really effectively and not take on too much of whatever is the in thing right mm-hmm. now. You see, like. That's why fads come back around. That's why it's just a mm-hmm. pendulum. Yeah. That's I think I saw bell is. bottoms around some come back, I think. Yo, I have <laughs> I I've never let go of my bell bottoms. I rock <laughs> bell bottoms. I don't care. Well, my wife and I were actually talking about recently that there's the clothing style seems to be very much nineties is yeah. coming back. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. Well, talking about my uh my uh golf skills. Which oh, you, you play golf? They're horrible, but I play golf. <laughs> but I like that. Yeah, you have skills. They suck, but you have skills. It's, 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 Me it's too. It's the truth. But, um, so one thing I noticed, the, the last time I went to Top Golf was uh, biofeedback for myself was uh, I've, had, I've been playing off and on for 10 years, but literally more off than on. Literally more off than on. Because I, I do suck. But I've always <laughs> sliced to the right. Okay. And I know I've said this joke on, on, on the podcast before. My wife says I slice so much that I should work at the deli. Ah. It's pretty true. So I always notice I've sliced to the right. And then the last time I went to Top Golf was maybe two weeks ago. I kept slicing to the right. And I noticed the reason I'm I, – I, I don't know if I've corrected myself because I've only figured this out last time was I'm holding my breath in. And I'm slicing right. When I realize when I've actually exhaled and relaxed – and enjoy it, I get a straight, beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. So now I'm trying to see if that's the pattern. I just realized towards the end of that 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 session was the more I would relax on, on the exhale and just relax with with the air out, I was getting beautiful straight shots. Mm-hmm. And then I realized when I'm tense, I got these big shoulders and I'm trying to kill the ball, but I have so much air in me, I slice to the right. Yeah, there's always there's usually a pattern. There there yeah, and 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 like any other patterns or just being human, sometimes that pattern didn't apply. Yeah. You know? Um, and it, but usually the pattern, you can, you can trust the, the pattern. And, and, and uh, Dylan and I float deprivation tanks. Yeah. yeah. Dylan, you so, were telling me about, <clears throat> about so that the first time. We yeah. do that you as to well. explain that to me. Well. But, no, I mean, he did, but yeah, yeah. I, I asked him to explain what that was. Well, what I mean is uh, it's, it's taught me how to truly relax. Like uh, the whole noticing your toes, your calves, mm-hmm. like literally letting go. I've picked up on that pattern. So now when I do jujitsu, I know what a really relaxed muscle feels like That's right. compared to a tense muscle. So now in my jujitsu game, my cardio has increased because I'm not so tense trying to hold somebody down. I've been able to relax my yep. muscles so well. So you, you go for longer. You can hold I can go for, for longer. longer mm-hmm. And I have people in more dangerous spots than I used to. Yeah, and and ideally though, because um, you and Dylan are already a little bit different than many who try to find the quick fix, because you were invested in learning how to maximize what you were doing in jujitsu. Um, other people just want to do it because oh, I need some relaxation. It's so superficial, and then they're confused as to why it doesn't work, and they're not going out and practicing. You gotta practice. The our behavior is it. You need practice if you want to change it or you want to you want to modify it mm-hmm. you got to practice and it, our what i tell people um 
a lot of times is especially like for interviews and stuff like that like if they're going out for an interview and you know one of the common questions are what's your strength what's your weakness Mm -hmm. right well well if you think about it our strengths are you end up usually being our weaknesses because it's our strength gone haywire or used too much Mm -hmm. your big shoulders probably help you a lot in jujitsu you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's not gonna work in golf so where, you know, I'll say, you know, I can be really assertive, I'm very um, articulate, and I'm outspoken, I tend to be pretty funny, and people tend to connect with me, that's a great strength. Well, the flip side of that, notice, I mean, balance is a big thing for me, but a lot of people don't know how to see balance or notice how balance can be accomplished. So those same sets, set that same set of strengths could mean also, I come off as a complete bitch, I talk too much, um, my boundaries are bad, because I connect all the time, and I'm all, right? Um, and uh, what else did I say? Oh, I, I, I'm, people find me funny, so sometimes, at the same time, I can be completely and utterly inappropriate. But those are all of my strengths, just used not well, <laughs> right? Sure. Like, so, I, and I tell people, I remind people, of that. And again, it's about learning how to calibrate your strengths and understanding how your strength will and usually do, they do usually end up your fault because you self-sabotage or you you don't catch yourself taking your strength too far. Mr. I try to would you say try not to have a, ba- a bad day at all? You're da, da, da. you're probably really organized. You got all the stuff. Your correspondence was awesome. Da, da, da. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, here's Dylan journaling every day, all day, not doing anything else. You know what I mean? Right. So it's 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 a matter of understanding how to calibrate mm. those things. Uh, I come off the exact same way, especially at parties. I have friends that invite me to their parties, and I kind of come off like that to some people. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And they ha- and my friends have to like say, that's just the way JC is. He's just trying to connect with you. You gotta love him for the way he is, or he's not. So well, I they don't have to. Well, but yeah. you don't you don't have to care about those fools either. Exactly. I mean, you got their and that's the way. I, that's the reason <laughs> I am the way I am because I'm not gonna tailor myself because of somebody. But you could. the The key is that you don't. And I like to try to use. I, I try. I hate that word. I work on um, using words like. I won't versus I can't because mm-hmm. I just won't. Or, you know, um, I can't do that. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's yeah. more empowering, I think. Uh, and if we change the language in our heads, a lot of times that, I mean, it doesn't change everything, but every little bit might help. <laughs> language is powerful. Like, Very. It's crazy how you can change your own mindset with language and stuff. The way yeah, you talk some, to yourself mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, your daughter. I have – this is all like kind of a tangent, but um, I don't know. I think his name's Chester, the guy that killed himself from um, I don't know. the band. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. This is random. I, I don't know. I don't have any supporting facts, but mm-hmm. I think if you listen to all the songs, they're always like super sad, my life sucks, uh, poor me. And I want to say that kind of got to him, maybe. Maybe he just sang it so much. But maybe much it did suck. And believed it. I, maybe it did, though. And nobody and everyone kept telling him, nah, man, you're good, you're good. Yeah. And he was like, fuck, I'm pissed. And nobody yeah. to, nobody wanted to acknowledge where he was. And only then can you really 
assist someone or, and guide them elsewhere to someplace better. If you don't meet someone where they are, there's no. But then it no goes back. Did he, did he kill himself because he wanted to kill himself due to the fact that he he sought he sought out help, psychologists, drugs, whatever. But maybe he didn't want to change himself. Maybe, but so. the thing is, is I mean, you know, and, and suicide is a very controversial topic. But quite honestly, I know a lot of people feel like those who commit suicide are cowards. But on the contrary, they're very brave in that. And I'm not supporting suicide. I'm course, I'm yeah. I'm saying that it is not normal for someone to be able to kill themselves. Yeah. It is, takes so much pain. Well, it I, takes love, a, I love Robin Williams and the way he, he – they said he tried it like maybe four times in one night. That's – I mean it takes so much freaky. pain and instead of getting angry, I really – I look at their support system or lack thereof and go where was – what was going on there and ultimately we are alone in this world. We come in – well, you might have a twin but I'm saying they're still individuals yeah. but and we go out and we're still by ourselves. And and if if he wanted to die, then that's you talk about the power of determination. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate way to one way to show commitment. But what I was just trying to say is like we talk about positive talk and how we can improve ourselves, and and if we talk to ourselves in a great way, and if it's in our mind constantly, we we tend to be positive people. We tend to be good people, whatever. But this dude sang up almost every night about how much life sucked. So maybe his subconscious, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I don't pretend to know either. All I know is that he doesn't live in his head. But that's my thought. What do you mean he doesn't live in his head? We live in a social world. We don't live in a vacuum. So even he can, he can be in his, you know, he could have saying happy songs, but been out and still done it. Like, like Robin Williams seemed to be great. That's what I'm saying. We don't, we don't live in isolation. Um, we live in a social world, whether we like it or not, and influenced by it. Influenced, um, and you don't know how it's going to influence. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very complicated. I am not an advocate. I'm not saying you know, no, you're that right. people like, should commit suicide. I'm, I'm saying that the the power in in someone wanting something, whatever that is, um, is is more than any sports psychologist, more than any licensed professional counselor. More, no one can make you do what you don't want to do. And on the other side of that is no one's going to stop you from doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Period. And those are extreme examples. You know. Um, so don't know that guy. Don't know his story. It must be very complicated and very painful. That's what that I can say. Yeah. And that, that, that's all I'll say, you know. I don't, I've never even heard of the guy. But well, I, I, I think mm, I would say that people I know who are creative or who are artistic or just from listening to them talk about their own selves, it seems, it seems like you can use Kanye as an example too. That when you have someone who is that creative, they tend to also have other stuff going on too that yeah. might lend them to be that creative or because they're not understood that isolated they that get has actually emphasized their creation and there's that other balance piece again it's yeah. a trade-off it's a trade people who are savants you know who yeah. are really good they are usually not they don't have a high social, social iq yeah. or emotional iq there's right. a trade there really is again the world will find a way to balance you out yeah. you your family your 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 community your city 
your state, your it goes on again the yeah. quantum physics crap we don't even understand, but I bet you there's balance because <laughs> otherwise right. I don't think it would survive. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that doesn't come from. I mean, I don't even know where that comes from. I don't know. I'm not saying I made that up. No, no, no. I'm yeah. sure that there's plenty. If I read philosophy and um, no, I think that's Eastern I think that's the philosophy quest. type stuff. Like it's, but again, I that's just the pattern. I just pick up on patterns and then try to find them within myself. And then in my job, I I do my best to help the the person learn their own patterns mm-hmm. so that they can self regulate. Um, as efficiently as they can in the midst of the world we live in because you will not be able to beat it. You either integrate with it and work it out in the process or you're depressed, anxious, PTSD, da 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 you know? I think that's what we're doing here is, 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 is recognizing that pattern. I think that's how my life has gotten better is because I'm recognizing my own pattern in my own life, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And I, and I agree with you 100%. So I think that's what people need to do in their own lives is recognize their pattern. And if you need help, find somebody that can help you find that. Because this is the way I picture your, your job. You keep talking about drilling. Mm-hmm. And so I see you literally grabbing, not literally, metaphorically grabbing somebody's hand and, and drilling. Say, let's let's go down to this level. Let's go down to this level, the next level. Then you let them find their aha That's right. Moment. I'm not there to tell them what to think. Exactly. I'm there to teach them better ways on how. On how to think. Exactly. And I think that's a thing that we don't have in our society. We're not taught to think better about ourselves or how to figure that out on our own. We have to want to go seek to find that. And so... And it's tough. I mean, we're, we're very lucky to live in this country. We have a lot of things that other places don't, which is why we... You know, when you're... It's like trying to tell a fish that they're in water. You can't see the the opportunity the advantages when you're all up in it and then Mm -hmm. things like the superficial um goals become the real goal when really that's not um always the healthiest way to go about things you know again but i'm not saying that you just walk around looking like crap all day like i mean yeah everybody wants to look you know semi-good like let's not let's be honest again we don't live in a vacuum yeah right so but again, it's about acknowledging those pieces of I myself in relation to my children, my husband, my friends, my education, this world, what my my you know being mixed and all this. I I'm not going to think I'm in a vacuum and I don't have to abide by the social rules that are at play right now. But I know that they're also I can influence some change in that, and that I'm not stuck there. You know, right. you see what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. Again, and finding that balance, you notice, I, I, I imagine sometimes when people talk to me, it's like, well, Tridia, you know, you say this, and then I say that, I'm trying to agree with you, and you're like, yeah, but, like, bitch, which one you want, you know? So, I, but I'm constantly doing this kind of... Dance. I am, constantly, and people have asked me, don't you get tired? It's a, it's all, that, take, that took endurance. I didn't just get here, you know, in one day, and now, at this point, it's just how I think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to the point of, to the point of paralysis, though analysis paralysis. So that mm. I have to check myself too analysis. and go freaking make a move, do something, jump. Right. Yep. I like that analysis. I know over analysis and over analysis has been an issue with me as well. I tend to overthink things sometimes. I've been told that by coaches and yeah, but you have a lot to lose too. Sure. You know what I mean? There's a lot that we we can't. I mean, we could just jump and then a whole bunch of 
bad things could happen. So we do our best to cross check and recheck and sure. line things up. And yeah, but like you said, you have to have the balance of both. You have to be able yep. to analyze, make sure you're making the best decision and the information you have. At the same time, Realizing. sometimes you're going to run at you can't gather any more information and you yep. have to make a decision. So. Yep. Yep, exactly. And that's the trick is to go, okay, self, I've made the Excel spreadsheets. I have done this. I've color coded. I've done I made these phone mm-hmm. and realize if I step out there and shit don't go right, well, then fuck it. I still wanted it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to redo it and nah, 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 like that. And you right. just keep going. <sighs> it's exhausting. Even thinking about like some of those bigger decisions that we make. They're scary. Yeah. They are definitely scary. And if you want it, then you go get it. Just like Eminem said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if what your time is. It's, we're, we're coming up on two hours right mm-hmm. now, so that may be a good place to wrap it up. It sounds pretty sure. good. I mean, so. I'm, I'm, I'm with y'all, so whenever you tell me, hey, stop talking, wrap it up. What are you thinking, Jason? Uh, is there anything I, else you wanted to ask me that we haven't covered? or? I, I'm glad I kind of didn't dominate it with me search, like sports wise. Well, how do I do this? Why do I do that? But no, don't I, don't get stuck in the why. I'm telling yeah. you, because a lot of uh, mental health professionals will do that, and they want to understand why their client or the clients want to know why and why. And it's like it doesn't matter why. After a while, you either change the behavior so you can move past it, or you accept it and either go just keep it that way or deal with it go around it something but why first of all it's all made up anyway you don't know (laughs) it really you know what i mean um and and whatever gives you meaning though to give you the momentum to move forward fine that's your freaking why then Mm. it doesn't matter and then if you find out it's not true later okay or whatever but to get tangled up in the why it's interesting because people will find their why and they still ain't changed it. Sure. It really, I mean, it helps. It helps sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. I don't think people realize the extent to which it doesn't matter all that much. Actually, quite a bit. If you want it, then. How much do the clients you work with, more on the sports side of things, the issues they're dealing with, their affecting performance, have anything to do with? Their childhood oh, like, trauma, big time. Or, yeah, I had a, I had a um, I had an, uh, a client that wanted to complete an Ironman, and, and I don't work. You know, I don't. I'm not balling out of control. I don't. You know, I'm not seeing like the. I mean, I want to It'd be nice to see like real pro athletes. You know, because I work with a lot of people who are like yourself or who are like maybe semi pro. You know, or collegiate level D one. You know, athletes and stuff like that. Um, but I also have quite a few of just regular folks, and he wanted to complete uh, the Ironman, and he could not get past the first event, which is the swim. Couldn't do it. Couldn't. We used hypnosis, and the interesting thing about hypnosis, and what I mean about the power of the client, is it's also my job to follow the client wherever they go, and you're fully conscious when you're when you're in hypnosis. It's not like I'm gonna. No one's going to make you cluck like a chicken. It, that, it's, that's stage crap. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, um, he – what I usually do is let's – okay, we're focused on the swim. Tell me like, – imagine the last time you were swimming. You know, you were trying to swim. What was that like? What was going on? You know, why – let's get back to when you, when you um, 
cramped up and all of that, right? right? So we take them, we go to that moment. So again, an intense focus on that particular moment or on that event. And you'll be surprised, especially when you get back into your body, what it tends to do is it usually regresses you. And it doesn't mean you regress into like a two-year-old. I don't mean like that. I mean to some event or time that is significant for you just like smells i don't know about you guys mm-hmm. but if i start if i have if i smell a certain smell it'll take me right back yeah. and it's gonna so you're regressing it could be yesterday and you're regressing right that's so that's what i mean so interestingly he went to a time he was in the pool with who he thought and quite honestly now i'm confused he thought it was his mom or something and he was he was a kid five, six or something, struggling to swim and was trying to tell his parent, I need help, I need help, and nobody would help him. And then somehow in the midst of, so we're staying with that moment, and he was like, I was telling my dad I needed help and or my mom. And, and then he realized that it wasn't his mom, but it was his dad, something like that. So he he remembered wrong. And that's the other thing about sometimes how why is not all that important because you can have false memories. Or you can create a memory that helps you through a certain time in your life. And if that works, then does it really matter? I mean, people, PTSD is that way. I mean, people have these, they, they figure out a way to cope. Mm. So he figured out a way, his coping mechanism um was to, for some reason, think that it was his mom and not his dad or vice versa. I don't know, but we processed that. And he's like, I I thought it was my mom or I thought it was my dad and blah, blah, blah. And we, we, we processed and we broke things down. Not like we had, I had some epiphany, but more so helping him work through his thoughts. Right. And so that fear. And I know, I think his dad had recently died too or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't remember. It was quite some time ago. But after that, and when he realized that he panics, and we worked on the breathing, I gave you know talked about that technique. Um, he was able to make it through the the swim, and he wow. finished the Ironman. Wow! Um, awesome. it, the it, it worked, but not because I mean he figured out his own why. You know what I mean? And whatever brought him meaning was enough to push him through, and he recognized his fear in the water because he would attempt he would start feeling fatigued and he just panic so we worked through that breathing making sure that he remembered he knows how to swim he's going to be okay and like the mantra again and for him it was definitely i'm a badass i'm the hey that's fine it worked he said it to himself and he was able to to finish i mean he finished close i mean it took him a long time but he wasn't trying to win he just wanted to finish. And if he can get through the just swim, he could get, get through everything else. So um, what was the question again? Uh, how much did <laughs> childhood trauma affect ah, their performance? So, yeah, thank you. So that when he was struggling to swim as a kid, it uh, that just kind of, for whatever reason, it, uh, it impacted his ability to get through the, the, the Ironman. But the thing is, is I don't want people to you know, think of things that they struggled through as children and like, oh, you know, my mom didn't hug me or my dad didn't hug me and oh, that's why, like, let's get all Freudian. I mean, it does impact some things, but people adapt, they overcome right. and and they move forward. And quite honestly, whatever you're doing right now, 
you're doing because it works. Whatever habits you have, whatever coping mechanisms you have, you're doing it because it works. If it didn't work, you wouldn't be doing it. Where it becomes maladaptive is when the situation changes and then you don't. Like, and then those coping coping mechanisms start to negatively impact your situation, even though that's what you're used to doing. Um, but the situation isn't that way anymore, but you keep trying to cope in that way. That's when it becomes a problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you only do it because it worked for you. Yeah. You know? Um, not to say that, oh, yeah, let's go drink heavily and drink – like, that works, yeah. But then, of course, you get a fatty liver and all sure. this other kind of stuff. So, okay, situation ain't working anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to – the situation's changing. Yeah. It's, it might be working, but the situation – your health is at risk. Right. That's where it becomes an issue because despite being told, hey, you're going to – you're about – you're this close to cirrhosis um, of the liver, and the person goes, oh, screw it. I'm going to keep drinking. There's the problem. Right. Yeah, and then not wanting to find a different way or like that. Okay, I I was I asked that question only because I've um, recently been reading um, a lot on not not a lot on addiction per se, but just on on where addiction comes from. And there's a I think I mentioned his name D before Gabor Matei, I think is his name. He's a addiction specialist in Vancouver, and he was a Hungarian Jew, so he he survived the uh, one of the concentration camps. But mm-hmm. he he talks a lot about from his experience walking around Vancouver and dealing with the heroin addicts there um, about the, the the main theme of his, his, his talks are about addiction has a root in childhood trauma because people trying to self-medicate in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was just, I've been reading about that and then going from there about just how much stuff happens in that developmental window in childhood where you can get these patterns Mm kind of ingrained Yep, and then overanalyzing like, I wonder if what I like having a conversation or doing something with my son, like, I wonder what that's going to manifest. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, I do the same thing <laughs> with guilty. my own kids. I'm like, shit, I'm going to screw him up just thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, I, um, I want to be very clear that I do work with, I work with high functioning individuals. I am not an expert in addiction. I am not an expert in serious clinical, um, psychotic, episodes, you know, people who need serious medication um, or like in-house programs and things like that. I right. don't work with that population. Right. And that's why I said in the very, very beginning, it's the, the key is to for people in my field to learn who they work well with. Mm. I work well with high-functioning individuals who have, I guess, general stressors that feel very real because... If something goes wrong, they have so much to lose. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the home, the bank, the family. You know what I mean? So right. I work with that. I work with a high-functioning population. So I don't know the ins and outs of addiction like other experts do. Sure. I don't know the ins and outs of schizophrenia or PTSD um, or severe depression and anxiety. Um, maybe anxiety because high performers come with anxiety, but um, like severe depression and, and people who have bipolar one and two, I don't work with that population normally. Right. So, and, and I'm glad that there are people who do because yeah. I am not the one I work with people who are pretty much 
high functioning, they forgot that they were or they're struggling now because there've been life changes and to help get them back on track. Okay. Um, yeah, I I want to I want to say that uh, cuz I'm not I'm not the expert in that. Area. And cuz I imagine someone working with addiction going, "Oh my god, she's minimizing or she's right. making it seem so meh." I'm like well, there's a difference someone who has an issue in performance from childhood versus someone who has an issue that's causing them to be, you know, on the streets. Right. Like, I, I'm not good at that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't want. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of us who work in this field are usually dealing with our own stuff in some mm-hmm. way. That's why. You're human. Well, um, the idea about being in the mental health profession is that you have a keen sense of people and you're you also have to do your due diligence. I had to do my due diligence as an up and coming counselor to ensure that my crap, I didn't barf my own crap mm-hmm. onto my clients. So in order to make sure I don't do that, I get my own therapy. I do my own, I do self-reflection. I'm constantly, you know what I mean? Um, so we usually, many of us work in the very areas that we had issues with and overcame mm. Because we're good at it. It's kind of like me search. Um, like you're. Yeah, but I shouldn't be me searching so hardcore working with clients. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's not good. So when when I told when we started this interview, I told you you asked me if my upbringing or my childhood had anything to do with um, connecting to the job. Yeah, with what I do now, and so in a roundabout way, yes. But in that process, I was upset that I didn't get to to dance and I didn't get to act and whatever whatever uh, and I kind of I fell into okay well let me just get you know more degrees than a thermometer and just you know <laughs> just keep you know education is everything and then I go no but I want to I want to I like this population I want to get back into working with working with sports and performance somehow realizing though I'm an adult, I have children, I have a mortgage, I have a husband. I'm not going to just go to LA and leave everything and then become the... You see what I'm right. saying? Like being realistic with, so okay, what's the best way to go about this? How can I still make an impact and be around this stuff? Right. And kind of, even like doing this podcast is still kind of performance-esque. And so how do I how do I still get my, my fill? But I had this young lady who came in to... Um, she wanted to know what I did. So I, I'll get several phone calls from graduate students wanting to kind of interview me to see, oh, how'd you get here? No, no, no. And I had one young lady who came to me. And this is, this is an example of how if you don't do your own me search, um, tr- attempting to get into this field is, is not going to work. She was boasting about how many concussions she had. <laughs> Because she played, you know, hardcore basketball. I'm rough. I, you know, I know how to make athletes um, work. I was, I was an athlete, and I, you know, I had like twelve concussions, something like that. And I was like, well, um, I, so you're going to tell the athletes it's okay to get twelve concussions? Like, you see what I'm right. saying? Like, you can't. Right. I mean, you can, but you're not ready. You got to understand how what you just said is not okay. Right. But that was her thing because she wanted to play. She still wanted to play basketball, but she couldn't anymore. Why? Because she had 12 concussions. 
but she wanted she wanted to be so much in it that she thought she'd be good at being a counselor and work with athletes. I'm like, oh no, you are not ready until you recognize that what you did is not bragging rights. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> like, right. like that's not okay. Yeah, like one of the things I want to do with physical therapies. I love American football, and I want to get with athletes that work. You know, in football, I played football in England. That was amazing. I had a chance to do even even a what's it called equipment manager at UTSA. Oh, uh-huh. I was so excited to do that. Just 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 being next to it mm-hmm. was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. You'll find a way if you really want to be with that population. You'll find a way, right? And it's also important to make sure you don't get sucked in and do and make bad decisions because you want to be there so bad yeah. like homegirl who came in bragging about her 12 concussions talking about i still i want to work with athletes i was like no you really don't need to be working with athletes you need to go get fixed basically <laughs> and you need to quit doing that yeah. you know like you can't right. so that's what i mean about getting sucked into the yeah. wrong that because you, yeah it, there's two there's so many temptations out there you know uh, that's not the, the way to go about it. Just like so many people who want to be, I want to be in music. I want to be a model. I want to be, okay, well, you want to deal with the potential, like the drugs and the fast life and the the urge to want to develop a, an eating disorder mm-hmm. and the the comments people are going to make about you. Um, you. You know what I mean? But it's because I think that, that side's not publicized. Well, if you look for it, yes, it is. But as far as like, Everybody sees the, the glitz, the glory, right. but they don't see the... Mm-hmm. And that's where I come in to rain on people's parades yeah. and go, this is how it's going to suck. Are you okay with that? Yeah. If yes, then let's, let's boogie. Keep you going. Know? Yep. Yeah. If not, if you're like, oh, or no, I'm going to be fine. 12 concussions, that's nothing. We got problems. 12. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> why is that cool? <laughs> Something is probably loose in her head where she does think that's cool. And she does, and she was coming to me to see to because she wanted to be in the field, not because she was trying to yeah. play ball, but because she wanted to be a counselor with right. athletes. I'm like, no, ma'am. I also have to be a gatekeeper right. and mm-hmm. and reframe for her her approach to getting to where she thinks she wants to get. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I have to. Um, I did my best in that moment to reframe what she was doing um, and and help her see how that was not conducive to working sure. with our with this population right i don't know if she thought it was um I insightful think, or not yeah <laughs> she's like I've, I've been there so I, I can be able to talk about it so i can teach other people and see that's wrong no that's like the drug addict who wants to all of a sudden you know they get sober for a year and go hey i'm i need to be an lcdc licensed clinical dependency counselor Mm -hmm. and it's like all right now you're gonna be around people who are gonna try and convince you to do drugs i mean like you okay with that all right you okay with people can come smelling in like alcohol you know like Mm. i think in many ways we give ourselves way too much credit yeah. We don't see our own we don't want to see that we are not that awesome. Sure. Look at American Idol. Like, you know what? You just really don't need to be on that stage. And yet you yeah. think you're so awesome and you yeah. think that if you think you're awesome that you're going to make it. Well, you know what? No. I yeah, I think we give ourselves so much credit. We're not very compassionate with ourselves. Like, sure. no, yeah, I suck. I totally suck at this. 
you know. Because we're not taught that, though. That's why. Because we're always taught, like... Oh, my kids will... Well, right. And so we... It's the balance. Yes, encourage, but don't be like, you can do anything. Okay, well... Yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within reason. Yeah. Within reason. I actually had a random question about... I don't know if it's it's, uh, outside, but, like, um, would there be anything that you would think you could add to a high school curriculum... To teach this kind of thing, to, huh. to, to show people, hey, before you step out that high school and you step into college, like it's a whole different world, especially if you're not going to... Actually, yes. What, what, could, what could you add? I would add the ability... I would, I would work on instilling this idea that it's okay to say, I don't know. Hmm. Meaning, I don't know what I want to do yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I like yet. I think right now um, the, the we want um, our kids to know what they want to do very early on before they even have a sense of who they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that sets them down this path and they think they're doing right and they get there and they're like, shit, I hate this. And what do we do? We change careers or we change majors 10 times. We're in college forever or we go to like 10 different trade schools or we go to the trade mm-hmm. school and we're like, this fucking sucks. No, you know what? Say It's okay to say I don't know. And then give them the space to explore because, like I said earlier, even my checklist for a husband changed after the fact. You know, we don't know ourselves and, and we want our kids to have all these answers so fast. And I'm like, you are setting them up for failure or them to be pissed off at you because they're going to look at you and say, I did this because you told me and you didn't. Nah, nah, nah. So no, I don't know. And then explore and then figure it out. Because only when, 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 not only when, but when a person owns their process, again, that is what's going to give them the motivation to stick to it. But only if they say, never mind. Mm -hmm. If Dylan's parent or whatever said, dude, you're too short. (laughs) I bet you Dylan would be out there right now balling, talking about, I'm going to make it. But you let go. You're like, yeah, no, I've. Nah, you owned your. <laughs> he let saw go, the truth, but yeah. he did, and yeah. so he's okay with his decision. That's true. You okay. know, you owned it. If you let someone take it away from you, mm-hmm. you'd be freaking biting at the bit to be sure. the next Parker dude because he's short too, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? Right. But just like so, letting go is the same—not the same, but grabbing hold to yeah. a life journey. One that is as best as it can be, it also requires that they own that. And if they're being told externally, do this, do that, eat Botox, get a butt, uh, you know, go be an actress or play sports or be a doctor, be a mother, be a father, you know, go to church. If If they're always doing what everyone else tells them to do, I, at some point, like I said before, it's gonna come out, it's gonna manifest somewhere negatively. And they're going to, you know, drinking problems or promiscuity or money issues or, or just pissed off at work because they don't want to be there. There's something. But if they own it, they're going to be less likely to fuck it up. Like, okay, this is my problem. I'm not going to go and drink because I, if I do, I'm going to lose this thing or I'm going to, or I'm not going to skip this workout because if I do, I'm not going to be as good. You see? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But that comes from inside. That makes a lot of sense. I, 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 I think that's 
one thing I, I've talked about recently a lot. There's a quote from Alan Watts I always like to keep in mind when I'm talking to people is um, the more I preach, the less I'm heard. I feel like when, oh, when totally. people feel like they're getting talked at, mm-hmm. um, they, they just put up blinders, especially when it's kids and parents, I'm sure. Cause. Yeah, and I actually pick up on, given that the American culture, because I was kind of raised, you know, my, my dad's from Kentucky, African-American, black. My mom is from Japan, from Tokyo, doesn't speak English very well. So I speak both languages. And growing up cross-cultural like that, um, I saw the stark difference between a, cu- a culture that is very, um, it has to be in black and white and you have to be told versus my, ja- that's the American side. Whereas my Japanese side, like we don't say shit, like you better just know, damn it. You know what I mean? Remember I was saying before, like everything was so contextual, like you just had to figure it out. So coming, like understanding the two really made me see that the power in either like not saying things or the or how there is a lot said and what's not said in fact there's probably more said than uh, there's probably more said in what's not said than what is said right you know what i mean right. so the power of omission oh there's so it, from what i understand and jc correct me if i'm wrong but in the mexican culture there's a lot that goes unsaid because you don't want to offend anybody. You're totally like, tranquila, no pasa nada. Like, oh, you're just very polite and, you know. 100%. And, yeah, and so, oh my God. But they, um, like, there's so much crap that comes with that, though, and the misunderstandings. Well, because you're not seeing mm. anything. Mm. So I can understand the value in, but I understand the, the value in not, saying things because you guys are very diplomatic in, in, in many ways too you gotta be a mind reader yes um, and, and Japanese is very very similar and I so I see the problems that came with that as well you know but that's why in Japanese culture we are, we're very reserved and we're also very stressed the fuck out too sure. <laughs> whereas Americans we say whatever the fuck we want it's like ah oh, we're all stress free so sure. I'm trying to find the balance <laughs> and, and understanding the two and going okay uh, and understanding too that sometimes it's better to be more outspoken, and other times it's better to shut the fuck up mm. or be very diplomatic, which is what I'm working on because I'm not very diplomatic uh, on on that calibration and being more polite and not as blunt. I'm working on that. No, I like it. I, I, I'm going to take away some dial action here and be like, oh, yeah, i got to turn that Yeah, dial. just because... <laughs> Where's the, that dial on that one? The, and, the skill is knowing how to do that. Yeah. That's when you're a badass. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he's got the dial versus on-off. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's... I like that description. I'm going to steal that from this podcast for sure. Word. Very right, cool. Um, I think we're ready to wrap up. Unless okay, you're, I'm, I'm down. Good. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm glad I didn't... Well... Uh, I was gonna say I, I'm glad I didn't prepare, but I don't know. It it is what it is. Yes. Um, yeah. It, that's how we, we, we try to keep it pretty just mm-hmm. the kind of organically go where it was gonna go. Uh, I don't know. If, since you said you were kind of in between places, do you want to? If someone wants to reach out, a website or something. You, oh, sure. You can find me on Psychology Today. Okay. If you look up Tritia Finley, T R I T I A, last name Finley, F I N L E Y. Um, or if you um, Google Elite Performance Counseling in San Antonio, that's the name of my business. Um, nice. You can find me. It's a great website, by the way. 
You think? I just made it up. You see, I kind of just did it. I just went and... It looked pretty professional. Yeah. 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 Yeah, see? But I was cross-checking. I was looking, you know, but I didn't... So now I get these calls, right? Like, oh, we see that your website... (laughs) It must suck, like, to some extent. But um, I really prefer... um, people to I don't want to do much marketing right now and anything because one I want it to be organic and people to come to me because those are the ones who are usually going to work and mm-hmm. like I said I'm in dissertation I'm trying to knock this thing out and be done and then uh, see what happens from there very cool so, yeah. well good luck with your dissertation I know it's oh, a lot of stuff so you. a lot of work yes all right well, well we'll see you next what, episode I just want to say what I'm, I'm gathering from here is uh, A be yourself B Pattern recognition mm-hmm. and uh, watch that dial. <laughs> whatever whatever emotion or feeling you have, watch that dial and uh, make sure you recognize it. Yeah, and recognize that the, your all of your emotions are are valid and legitimate. It's just a matter of knowing when and how intense to use each one. Yeah, use it to your advantage, right? Yeah, no, huh? Huh? no, no. Um, I mean, there? advantage. Uh, eh. You may not get shit for being well, a dial. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, a, it's just, just be you. That's the only thing you can be. You try to be anything else, you can front and yeah, people can call you out. out. Yeah, yourself out. That's what we're all about is trying to figure ourselves out. We all have that insecurity or whatever, and we're trying to figure it out. And Right. And even the people when you're talking, Dylan, out there, they, they're they all trying to figure it out too. Sure. And yeah. if you make them laugh, they're like, okay, this, all right, he's chill. You know, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, I usually go with self-deprecating humor too because it word because it, we're all there. Yeah. We, yeah, we all have our stuff, and then the, and then the one or three men and women who just you know tell them to take some Miralax or something. <laughs> like <laughs> they got their own set of sure. stuff. Don't worry about that. Sure. There's always exception to policy. <laughs> Screw them. All right, all right. I think we're out. Okay. Thank we'll you so much. Thank you. Yeah.